Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Oh boy, we missed the entire month of February, and we are about to miss the entire month of March, so drastic measures have to be taken. The following episode of Anime World Order is presented completely unedited. You don't want it to be completely unedited, because when I say completely unedited, that means I didn't even fix the audio levels. I'm going to sound way too blasted out. Normally I fix that. Not this time. Maybe you'll notice this, maybe you won't. I don't know, deal with it. Welcome back to the Anime World Order Podcast. This is show number 153, and we are still alive. Our website has been taken over by Russian hackers who stole the election, apparently. Actually, they're probably from Switzerland, for all I can tell, but uh, you have noticed zero disruptions thanks to our impeccable uh, lips and hosting. Worry not. We are still around. We are still kicking it real, reviewing Japanese cartoons and comics for your entertainment I am Daryl Surratt, and our intrepid co-hosts, as always, I am Gerald Rathgold, and I'm Clarissa. All right. So, we have uh, been delayed many a time, I understand. We missed the entire month of February, as is typical. We nearly missed the entire month of January, but we got in just under the wire. But we had excuses. In this case, the real excuse for the past year has been... The albatross around our neck, which is the donation on Twitch. And so we are finally going to do it as a result of a, uh, a year and change of uh, intrepid endeavors. We shouldn't feel bad because our, our friend Paul Chapman just put out an episode where he reviewed a murder by death, which was from a donation that was made in 2014. So uh, okay. it took three years for him to get to it. So and we he didn't feel think bad. Murder by Death was good, which no, is it. crazy. So <laughs> that's uh, that's Paul Chapman. So anyway, yeah, we, we got the donation last year, and it was uh, slightly above and beyond what our restrictions were on the show suggestions, but uh, a ridiculous donation size. So we're like, we are going to go the full honor on this one, and, and, and so we have. Uh, so we will be reviewing... Mobile Suit Gundam Double O later on in this program. But first things first, if you would like to comment on this episode, you can do it in one of two ways. You can send us an email at animeworldorder at gmail.com or provided that the website has not been hacked and shut off our database connections by malevolent forces, you can go to our website at www.animeworldorder.com where you can find the permanent link to this episode, as well as all previous episodes that we've been doing for over 10 years now. We are uh, officially in year 11 as we record this right now. And so I suppose right now is, as we record this, it is 2017, March, and 1987 was 30 years ago. And so right now I am in the midst of putting together all the big anime titles that came out 
30 years ago in 1987, let me tell you something. 1987 is one of the definitive 80s anime years as far as big stuff that came out in that year. Bubblegum Crisis has just turned 30 as of a few days ago. And also as of a few days ago, uh, we also are celebrating the exact 30 year anniversary of Royal Space Force, the Wings of Oniamis. And so with that in mind, I'm going to read an email that we got last year uh, back in September about Royal Space Force. This is from Mari. And here's what Mari writes. Hi, Gerald and the rest of the AWO crew. Can't actually remember if I've written in before. I've been working backwards through your archive for a while and hit your Royal Space Force review. And yes, I'm writing in about the rape scene because that's the only thing that exists in this movie in 2017. (laughs) Uh, That's my parenthetical comment. That scene ruined the movie for me like it has for many others. I'm glad you didn't excuse it and pointed out how it's actually an incredibly realistic scene. That did give it a little more depth for me since realistic portrayals of rape are something media in general horribly lacks, especially anime. I actually watched the movie on Hulu a few years back. Not sure if it's still there or moved to Yahoo View, whatever that is. But in your review, you mentioned how much the film is discussed among fans, and I assume you meant among older Gainax fans, since I highly doubt any fan under the age of 20 has even heard of the film. Lastly, I want to say that it really sucks when great accomplishments in animation have stuff like that rape scene in them. I had a feminist friend who I was trying to get into anime, and I knew I couldn't turn her on to the medium if I showed her Royal Space Force because of the rape scene. Akira mm-hmm. and Paprika were out for similar reasons, and Macross Do You Remember Love was out because of Minmay's shower scene. And even though I have no issue with it, just to be safe... Ghost in the Shell was off the table thanks to the nudity. Thank goodness for Ghibli movies, because they are hands down the most female-friendly anime gateways I can think of. With a lot of anime, not necessarily the ones I listed, but with a lot of anime in general, it feels like no one on staff even thought about how a woman might react to watching what they make. Not even something like they thought about it, but decided to disregard it, just it never once crossed their minds. I think it's a shame that I have to disclaim so much of the anime I want to show people and Royal Space Force did not help in the least. Keep up the good work, Mari. Well, thanks for the email, Mari. Uh, It took forever to get to it. It's been over six months since you wrote this in, but I figured since Royal Space Force is now 30 years old, uh, what do you guys have to say in response to it? uh, Is this pretty much the prevailing attitude of this film now in 2017? It seems to be something that any discussion of that movie that comes up, the the rape scene is probably, you know, with it coming up within a minute or two. Probably the alpha and omega, I think, of that movie at this point, would you say? It's, yeah, and I was talking to a friend of mine who is also, a friend of ours, I should say, who is also a very big fan of the movie. Um, Noah, our uh, friend... Uh, uh, the from part of the Ninja Consultants, which I think may have officially pod faded. I'm not sure. It's no longer in existence. They had a kid. Uh, you know, it's over. Their lives are over. They're gone. They're done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this actually, he was mentioning this to me after I did my review of it about that scene. And uh, he he feels, and this is just another interpretation of this scene. Um, and 
I don't know. Should I explain the scene for those who don't understand or no, know? No, I, th- I don't think you should explain it. Just say you can listen to our review of Royal Space Force, The Wings of Oniamis. You can go to our website, AnimeWorldOrder.com. You can go to the review index and you can find that it was back in show number 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, 86D because we broke it up. Uh, so that was uh, quite some time ago, uh, you know, going back uh, probably to 2010 or thereabouts. So seven years ago, give or take. Right. His interpretation of it, which I I didn't think about at the time, he says that one of the big themes of that movie is that humans and humanity can be awesome and can be terrible. And that is reflected throughout that movie. The end, Mm. the very end scene of that is this amazing, wonderful thing happening around a battlefield. Humans are being awesome and being terrible at the same time. And he feels that that scene reflects that, that... This is this person who is doing this amazing thing going into space, but is also doing this horrible thing, is sexually assaulting someone he knows and cares about. And when I thought about that for a while, I could kind of understand where he's coming from. Uh, it's, it is absolutely impossible to talk about that movie without talking about that scene. And it's... It's difficult. It's, I don't know if we would be talking about that scene as much if it weren't animated. Uh, it seems like this comes mm. up a lot more with, uh, with when we I talk about I don't know if animal. I agree with that. Because um, I feel like especially lately, there's been a lot of... I think, you know, especially with the, the way the internet has enabled more people to talk about stuff in, in a more accessible way, m- more people are starting to really come forward and say like, hey, you know... I'm kind of sick of people using this as a plot device and it's getting kind of old. Um, I mean, I know certainly it's one of the first things I hear about a lot of shows now. I mean, Game of Thrones and one of the first things I heard about Westworld was like, oh, it's super rapey. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know that, that, that it being animated makes any difference in terms of that discussion. Hmm. Uh, maybe among certain groups of fans, but I think by and large, I, the live action stuff gets just as much pushback. In fact, probably more because for the mainstream audience, I think a lot of the animated stuff just isn't as visible. They don't even consider it. So they're not talking about it, period. Yeah, like they said, like how many people under the age of 20 have even heard that this movie even exists? Perhaps for that, yes. But they are also mentioning things like, like, do you remember love? Like there isn't, there is a nude, there's no rape in do you remember love? There is a nude scene that lasts approximately less about two seconds less. Sure. maybe two or three seconds but that is enough that that person can't even show that i don't think it's yeah. an exploitative I mean, it, scene that just I, depends on that friend of theirs and where they draw the line i mean right. everybody well, has their own individual tolerance for sexualization or for sexual violence or whatever right apparently this person is no nudity whatsoever I guess, um, yeah. I guess, so, yeah. For some it's people, like, that's it. Um, like but, absolutely yeah, I mean, no nudity at all. And I mean, that's that's a that's a harsh line to draw, in my opinion. But I under I completely understand the line of no sexual violence. I completely, totally understand that, and that is an annoyance in Wings of Oniamis. And there is there is a scene in Akira that she's talking about, or he's talking about, that was annoyed. <sighs> It's 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 a weird scene because it comes out of nowhere. It's like not anywhere else in the movie is it like this, but a character is 
assaulted. Her shirt is ripped off and she's punched well, yeah, in the she face. Well, yeah, she gets the crap beat out of her pretty yes. much. Uh, that, certainly, yeah. Akira is a famous movie about to be re-released on a Steelbook edition. I didn't know Steelbooks were still a thing in anime, but evidently so. But um, yeah, I mean, in certain areas of discourse, it's definitely like a, a binary on or off. Like what Noah was talking about, like he was contextualizing why this exists in the context of the greater work. Mm-hmm. But I th- yes. think for in, enough people now, I think they've it's reached such a critical mass over the years that at this point, it's just binary. Yes or no is something present. If so, ditch it. I got so much other stuff to watch and right. so like that's there's no there's much no possible way you can ever justify ever having it in any work of fiction whatsoever it, um, yeah i mean i, I guess people, so yeah. for some people right. yeah and that's uh you know you can argue that and certainly it's uh, a common viewpoint to have now but uh it does make you know again if you want to pick something that isn't a strictly children's entertainment or strictly family entertainment you invariably run against the risk of some sort of violence or sexuality right. aspect of it because those are the things that make something not family entertainment, right? Now, those are the two things. Yeah, I mean, I will say in terms of anime versus live action that um, I think this isn't necessarily true, I think, of Oniyamis or Akira in in particular because I think that these the scenes in those are more serious. But I will say that anime does have a really bad track record of using, like, sexual harassment and assault as, like, comedy. As comic things, yeah. yeah. Like, there's usually that certainly that comic yeah. relief person who's going to grope you from behind. Right. Or, or try steal to flip women's up your panties. Sp- yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. So, you know, that I can even more, like, understand. And so maybe... In that sense, in some cases, anime may be in general may come under more scrutiny just because it it's more likely to use it as that kind of humor element uh, as opposed to maybe a lot of mainstream Western entertainment, at least in the U.S. But... Yeah, it's certainly gotten better than it used to be. If you want a, uh, yeah. a very <laughs> weird example, uh, th- check out Ms. Machiko. This was yes. a oh my God. Crunchyroll, uh, yes. the Super ultimate popular show from show, when it came kids out. show, kids show. Yeah. Remember, from so the whole thing is about yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm just, still uh, like, why? Why was this like the the old thing that they chose to license? I think like, it was super really? cheap. I guess, <laughs> or it was like a forced package deal. Like you know, again, because it's not like any of the discotheque representatives have anything positive to say about it whenever asked. <laughs> They're always like, gun to head, sure, we'll put this up. We'll see if people will watch anything. Anything. Right. And so that that's their take on it whenever they present it. It's not like they're going the full uh, Revolver Ocelot ADV, you know, films circa the 90s route on it. It's all just like, so yeah. Like, hey, you guys, check out for a fun ride, Ms. Machiko. It's, yeah, it's no, much. they don't do that. It's like, yeah, let's see what happens here. And so, oh God, it, it, it you is, know, like. It is very fun to see Mike Tool be like, yeah, so this show from 1980, it is a sexual harassment comedy. Like, that's his, pretty much the exact words. Like, it's the entire joke is these students are like, harassing Ms. Machiko and that is and the joke succeeding every episode constantly yes. yeah so, and I mean yeah. sometimes that that st- does make it a little bit difficult like I know that was one of the problems I had with City Hunter was like was, was it, he's a very lewd of, and horny guy and is trying to get in the pants of these girls yeah and is never successful in any way but that is 
that is part of the humor of that show is just him being a horn dog. Right. So, you know, there's like definitely certain elements of City Hunter that I like, um, but I found it a little bit difficult to to watch just because of how often that element came up. And um, what's 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 weird is that City Hunter is a show from 86 or so. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, the, the manga 30, was 30 years ago a little bit and the manga's yeah. a little bit older. Yeah, and the manga was made was in Shonen Jump and strictly for guys and then the the anime they said let's make this largely for women because that was that was the audience they found what was reading the manga and liking the mm-hmm. manga and a lot of that horn dog humor they added for the TV show. The manga didn't have as much of that. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like, again, it's one yeah. of those things does... where the, the values of the time uh, yes. were yeah. just radically different from now, especially when you're talking about works from decades ago. Again, Royal Space Force is now 30 years old. City Hunter, a little older than that. And so what people wanted to see or people said yeah this is 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 now anathema 30 years later right and so when you now have an additional means of getting your voice out and getting critique out it's oftentimes hard especially for older work to Mm -hmm. live up to the morals and values of modern society it's hard for those things to pass and so i don't have an answer for that i can't say with either definitive way oh you can't judge it based on things today because then what is wasn't it wrong then or you know was it never right Right, you know you can you can argue that sure what was acceptable then and what is acceptable today and so yeah. Right. And and it's also, you know, a matter of like, are you watching something just for entertainment value or are you like interested in the the medium as a whole or in the history of the medium? So in some cases, you know, if you are looking at something from an analytical perspective or in terms of history, it's worthwhile sometimes to to go through some of those old things and and find some of the merit in it you know, and, and contextualize. But if you're just watching something for entertainment, then, you know, it's a little harder, I think, to be like, well, no, you should just, you know, deal with this uh, uncomfortable subject matter. I mean, if you're just really watching it to have fun, then mm-hmm. I can, you know, understand then, yeah, you that. should definitely pick things that you enjoy from that level and, yeah. and go with it. And there's no shortage of work that will work for you you just have to find it and that's the hard part now because there's so much anime that's available right how do you find that stuff well hopefully we can at least narrow down the field a little bit but yeah i mean as far as depending on where you draw the line on that stuff you do want to probably stick to family films or family television shows if the the line is absolutely no nudity ever whatsoever well even family things can have nudity in it like there is a new world there is a nude scene in totoro it is completely non-sexual it is a it's a it's a very well handled scene but if if literally the scene from from uh, do you remember love is too much then that scene would be too much. Well, well I don't so. agree with that because the DYRL scene is sexualized. Right, it's and it's not... meant to be fan service, and it's a yeah. scene that everyone talks about whenever they bring up that movie, even though it's only two seconds long. That's one of the most infamous scenes in the movie because right. which I it's think is different than the Totoro scene, which is you know just completely. But, but as that, you said, non-sexualized. But that scene—that's that's not what was specified in the email. Correct. Right. You know, it's so, just presence of yes or no. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, because 
that's just how some things are. And again, like I mentioned, when Totoro was first released here, it did have a big warning sticker on it mm-hmm. because of that scene. Right. And so, you know, it's just I can't definitively say you're wrong or your friend is wrong or your ex-friend, I guess, because it said had a friend. Mm. But, um, you know, that's just uh, all we can do is say, here's what we thought and whether we liked it. And maybe you can infer, well, we should never listen to the Anime World Order people again because they don't align with (laughs) my line of thinking, which is more common than you might think, I assure you. But um, in any case, thanks very much for the email, Mari. Um, And we will give you even though it's been six months since you wrote this, the Anime World Order podcast, because we are brought to you by WriteStuffAnime.com, we'll send you a code for a one-year membership to Got Anime, which is the Write Stuff program for getting additional discounts on their already discounted uh, sale prices. And it's really great. It'll last you for one full year. And I know for a fact that for some of their recent sales, like they had a sale on uh, Sentai Filmworks stuff, they had a sale on Discotech stuff, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That extra discount you get really does make a difference uh, yeah. as far as uh, <laughs> saving me money, uh, especially like when I bought <laughs> like my Magic Knight Ray or uh, Blu-ray set. You know, I, I still like, need oh, to get that. It, it's super good. I've got my Umaru Premium Edition pre-ordered, and it's one of the Everywhere nicest premiums. Where I go, this goddamn Japanese Garfield shows up. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, it's again totally worth it. So um, I guess look out for your emails. Hopefully, you uh, have not deleted this Gmail account in rage and moved on with your life. Otherwise, that account will bounce. But anyway. Uh, thanks for the email. If you would like to send us an email, once again, the email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. And as long as we keep getting codes, whichever email we pick to read on the show, we will uh, grant you a one-year membership for a God Anime. Uh, so write good emails. Thank you. Don't worry. We, I, I don't usually have to, to give that instruction because most of the emails people write to us are pretty darn good. Yeah, so, no, we're, any, we're actually pretty lucky, I think, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I, I don't have to read a lot of <laughs> trash, which yeah. is always helpful in terms of keeping us sane. So, yeah, um, I guess we'll take a quick break, and after that, we'll come back with uh, the long-awaited review of Mobile Suit Gundam 00. This episode of the Anime World Order podcast is brought to you by RightStuffAnime.com, which is the best site to purchase Japanese anime and videos, manga, books, merchandise, figures, collectibles. Every week they have great sales, and case in point, just the other day I was hoping to get this out in time for this sale, but they had a flash sale. I was able to get all of Science Ninja Team Gachaman, that's the original TV series, plus the 90s OAV, not the second TV series, it's about to come out. $38 on Blu-ray for the whole thing. That's over a hundred some episodes. I also got the entirety of the original Kashan Robot Hunter TV series, not the 90s OAV, not the Kashern remake. Those are also available. $15. All of Watamote, $20. I bought all of Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water on Blu-ray. These are all Blu-rays, by the way. $25. Replaced my Golgo 13 TV series collection that was, I originally bought those on DVD in four packages as they came out now there's one complete collection on blu-ray which i got for 33 dollars so right stuff is just blowing people away when it comes to deals on legitimate anime merchandise i highly recommend it we at the anime world order podcast spend entirely too much money on their site 
which is good because they give you free shipping once you get to $49. And it's pretty easy to get to $49 when you're talking about anime box sets. In this case, I actually had to pile some on before I actually hit that figure. www.rightstuf.com. One F. So, all right, strap yourselves in because it's time now for the review. And since we're not editing it, that means this is going to be like two and a half hours long now. You're welcome. At long last, the day has come after probably literally over a year since the uh, donation <laughs> came in. The time uh, has come to review Mobile Suit Gundam Double O. But before I do that, I want to actually contextualize how this came about in the event that anyone wishes to similarly ruin our lives after you hear uh, this review. So um, please ruin our lives. So anyway, I. Uh, we're all on twitch.tv, which is the, you know, big popular site that Amazon bought for a billion dollars, which is people playing video games. And lately I've been playing a lot of Super Robot Wars V because that's what I imported uh, the game for and bought a PS4 to do. And I said, all right, people, what do you want me to do on this thing? And so people said, well, you got to have your webcam. People want to see you. You want to read the chat out loud. You want to have like some little graphics when people follow and stuff like that and put up a donations bar. And I said, okay, sure. Why not? And to incentivize people to donate, I said, all right, well, once we hit a certain goal for each donation that people send in, you can suggest an anime to review with your donation. And then I'll look at the list that people have suggested and pick something. And so the first mm. time that happened, that was when I reviewed Bento a while ago because somebody just immediately slammed, donated the full 100% like day one. And then it's like review Bento. And I was like, yes, sir. And so <laughs> that review came out. And then since then uh, we got a review. I said, well, let me, let me up it and then put some stipulations on it to say, okay, Less than 26 episodes, and uh, that was basically just so we could get it out on time. But someone was like, let me slam donate three times over and say, please review Gundam 00, which is 50 episodes and a movie. And I was like, all right, I will do it just because the donation is exorbitant. And then later Wait, on, they relented and said, actually, you know. I don't want to do that to you. Just review season one. I was like, oh, no, you don't. We no, would be no, lying no. to the people if we did we not learned our endeavor right. to review yeah. all of Gundam 00. Because I was at least familiar with Gundam 00 because when the show first started, when Anime World Order as a podcast first came into existence, uh, that was shortly around the time that Gundam 00 had started or was going mm -hmm. to start. And so we yeah. were aware of it throughout when we were saying we have no need to discuss Gundam on this podcast because everyone is talking about it. Gundam double O at the time 
was a hot property, a big right. thing that everyone and I watched, was into. I think the first season when it was coming out. As it was airing. And then I... I don't actually remember if I finished the second season or, or if, if I you gave dropped up in it disgust. Or gave it up. Right. And and <laughs> yeah. this was a very common thing that happened and we'll get into mm-hmm. that as to why. Uh but we meant to do this uh earlier, but maybe it's fitting that we're doing it this year in 2017 because this marks the 10-year anniversary of Gundam 00. Oh, my God. It does not feel like it's been that long. It does not feel like 10 years ago. This feels like a relatively recent thing that we were just talking about but or just watching as it was coming out. But no, it was another world. It was before live streaming and before simulcasts and all that sort of stuff. So uh, please note that this invariably has to be Spoiler City as we review this show because to talk about what happens between one season and the next and the movie is invariably to say what happens in the show. And mm. so please keep that in mind, but we think that we're okay because uh, I think uh, it's hard for people to watch Gundam 00, at least for a long time. But I believe as of right now, if I'm not mistaken, Gundam 00 is once again streaming on Crunchyroll and also Hulu. And yeah, it is, it is there. Uh, so yes, you can go watch this entire show right now. Crunchyroll is merciful and has got it subtitled only. Uh, but this one is an ocean group dub. Ooh. If you've got that nostalgia for the exact same cast of Gundam wing dubbing, <laughs> uh, Gundam double O, uh, the dub oh, is on boy. Hulu. So, uh, pick your poison. Is the physical release out of print? The physical release is long out of print because that okay. was a Bandai entertainment release. Right, and right. It will probably someday be re-released by Nozomi Entertainment, a.k.a. Right Stuff. Yeah, it looks like those Gundam shows are coming out again. Yeah, but right now their big focus, their big publicity thing that they're ramping up all their marketing on is the upcoming Blu-ray re-release of Gundam Wing. I'm so excited. That was the big show for a lot of people. But what is easy to forget is that this show was a Big show for a lot of people as well. It also aired on television. It also came out at a time when anime fan subbing was like at its sort of pinnacle for a lot of people. Again, 10 years ago, this was their childhood show. This was their thing that they were crazy about each week along with another show, which we'll get into in just a bit. As a matter of fact, one of the most recent emails we got that wasn't even aware that we were watching Gundam 00 or was going to review it mentioned that they thought that Gundam 00 was their favorite show like of all time or you know they they loved it or you know it's one of their huge things that they greatly appreciated and they just they just offered that up of their own accord so this is a show that people do remember and there's mm-hmm. not really a consensus of like oh this one was good and this one was bad it's actually pretty split and that's interesting so before we start uh, because I must assume that every episode of the Anime World Order podcast is potentially somebody's first. I am going to give what is something I've said each time we have reviewed Gundam on this podcast, starting from like the third episode when I talked about Gundam Sea Destiny. Uh, and then as recently as Gundam Unicorn, I say recently, but I go and I check the review index. I reviewed Gundam Unicorn three years ago. It's been a while since we've talked about Gundam stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Mobile Suit Gundam 
double O, is what we call alternate universe Gundam, which means it is set in a different continuity from the regular universe Gundam, which people will often refer to as Universal Century Gundam or UC Gundam. And also from every other Gundam. Yeah. So named because of the calendar system that series uses in most Gundam shows, there is a point in the backstory in which they did away with the traditional calendar numbering and started over again at year one due to some epoch-defining like event and that's usually where they get the the calendar name from and so as such each alternate universe gundam uses a different one to distinguish itself from the others we talked about gundam wing just a few minutes ago well that took place in the year uh after colony 195 or 195 ac because 195 years ago there was a you know a space colony related disaster or event or colonization issue i don't really remember the backstory of gundam wing as good as i should but that's why it's coming out again so we can all rewatch gundam wing how close or how far from the original gundam concepts uh varied from one alternate universe show to another mm-hmm. and, but uh after a little over a decade of these alternate universe shows which started in the, the mid early 90s the powers that be, Bandai or Sunrise in this case, uh, had gathered a lot of data to see that certain shows that they did in this alternate universe Gundam style were better received and bigger financial hits than others. Gundam Wing, huge, huge hit all over the world. Gundam Seed, huge hit, such a huge hit that it actually got a full-on television sequel which despite all my objections, that sequel, Gundam Seed Destiny, was an even bigger hit. And so these alternate universe Gundams that were quite successful, they had some commonalities among them. So first, they featured multiple robots that were designated as Gundams instead of just one single hero unit called a Gundam. And a Gundam is so named because it's got a particular head design and uh, with these gold fins on it, and that makes it you a Gundam. And so if you have more Gundams, turns out that's that many more model kits that you can sell people. And second... The pilots were all quite handsome or fetching or pretty boys or what have you is the terminology you want to use for the time, which made the shows very popular, not just with people who were into robots and into model kits, but people who were into the guys or the mm-hmm. boys, as the case may be. Right. This was a- And certainly the, the male characters being popular with uh, female fans is not new not to Gundam. New to I Gundam. mean, the very original. The original Gundam, Gundam show series. had this audience as well. And yeah. maybe only a few people on the production side were taking advantage of it, whereas the marketing side was not as uh, in tune. But now right. the marketing just- people amped it up yeah have, have amped yeah. it up quite quite a bit more pretty boys and more focused marketing yes basically mm-hmm. and so it. that brings in an additional audience uh, of predominantly ladies and now you can sell character goods along with the model kits and then uh they found out hey if you also make the girls particularly hot you can do this with them as well and the third thing, and this is less obvious, uh, I think maybe the first two things I said are, are pretty obvious to everybody. But the third thing that these shows all have in common is that every single one of them used like a modernized or updated take on the original Universal Century Gundam storyline as the framework for their own story, such that they'd at least retain a portion of that old guard style of Gundam fans who would still watch these new shows. They wouldn't feel completely 
alienated. So mm. even you though you mean just usually, the one since Wing, right? Well, uh, the, the certainly ones, like G Gundam is completely different. Correct. From, G is completely yeah. different, but like the the ones that were big hits, such as Wing, Seed, mm-hmm. Seed Destiny, and such, yeah. these, they're all using that framework of the original Gundam. So while it's not necessary to know the events of the original Gundam or Zeta or Shaw's counterattack or whatever, to understand these shows, they are all in some form or fashion lifting from them, sometimes wholesale. Yeah. Yeah. They use a lot of the same events and tropes. And there's oftentimes a char like, yeah, I'm trying not to complicate it by getting into that level of specificity, but yeah, they're uh, the main antagonist, a blonde guy in a mask. Yeah. The original Gundam (laughs) was a blonde haired guy in a mask and he was usually a fetching gentleman. uh, So they would usually incorporate that aspect into these shows as well. So let me see if uh, in just a few more minutes, since I've already been talking for about 12 minutes now before I've even started to say anything about Gundam <laughs> Double O, if I can summarize at least what the first Gundam series and Zeta Gundam is in a few minutes, because I think those are the ones that are most relevant to Gundam Double O. I kind of did mm-hmm. this back, you know, three years ago, but. Uh, OK, so Gundam original one. The governments of Earth have united to form like an Earth Federation and people begin colonizing space. They set up these massive space colonies orbiting the Earth. And after a few generations, there become large groups of people who've grown up only in space, never having even lived on Earth or seen it. Eventually, there's a movement for independence that forms, but it gets co-opted by uh, militant extremist types. And uh, there's a secession, which leads to a war between the space colonies and the Earth. Catastrophic damage to everybody results, huge loss of life as part of the war, or maybe uh, concurrently with the war, special particles are developed, which nullify all traditional communication weaponry. Basically it's like EMP nullifies even infrared in the visible spectrum. And so they need to develop new weapons to have war in this environment, which in this case ends up being giant bipedal robots that look like people. So the Earth Federation develops a super weapon. It's called the Gundam, which falls into the hands of an engineering student who's the son of the inventor of the thing. Kid's not a soldier, but for happenstance, he's the only one who can use the super weapon. Turns out a percentage of people who are raised in space begin to exhibit extrasensory perception beyond what ordinary human beings are capable of. You can read minds and maybe with the help of additional equipment, actually uh, manipulate physical matter. So that war ends, the Federation is the winner, and they appoint a special task force that we need to hunt down the remnants of the opposition. Uh, As it turns out, that task force is corrupt and genocidal because they don't have sufficient levels of oversight, and so they are just total jerks across the board. Their leader... Uh, considers himself the next evolution of mankind and is conducting illicit experiments on regular people to see if they can maybe artificially grant these sorts of new abilities to everybody in order to create super soldiers, basically. And uh, that process works, but everyone who gets it becomes mentally unstable and erratic uh, due to the cybernetic implants and the drugs and what have you. And so that task force basically ends up supplanting a lot of the regular military uh, to the point where a civil war breaks out once people find out what these guys are all about. 
Uh, the headquarters of that group is uh, one of those old space colonies uh, where the leader has taken it and turned it into a supervillain lair, adding a gigantic uh, Death Star laser type thing to it. And there are other villains with other schemes throughout all the original Gundams, but a lot of them boil down to we're the next evolution of mankind. We're a new type of, of being. Uh, you obsolete homo sapiens need to, to fall in line and either migrate out to space or get on the drugs and cybernetics treatments or die because that will finally put an end to all conflict and usher in utopia. Also, there right. are robots. Little so, Magneto-esque. Yeah, for, for those uh, familiar with versus, the X-Men. Exactly. Yeah. Broadest possible strokes of Gundam. And while knowing that the alternate universe stuff is cribbing from that, it helps immensely. It is never understood or assumed that you, the viewer, know any of that. But I do think that it can help greatly when it comes to untangling some of these shows. Because mm -hmm. I think there are certain pacing issues that some of these things have that just you can mentally fill in the blanks a little better if you can say, oh, it's trying to be this. So uh, as Sea Destiny ended, hugely successful for them, they started taking inventory for what they needed the next Gundam show to be. We're talking 2003, 2004, thereabouts. And here's what they noticed. Gundam Seed ended September 2003, the original one. The sequel... Gundam Seed Destiny didn't start until October 2004. That's a little over a year later. Well, it turns out there was a show that aired in that precise gap right between those. And that show ended up becoming the undisputed biggest hit of the decade. I'm talking about Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist came out right between those, and it didn't matter if they released seed compilation movies or whatever to tide people over while the new sequel was coming out. Guess what happened? All the stores got rid of their Gundam Seed merchandise displays to make room for Full Metal Alchemist stuff. And so they said, we need to steal back some of this Full Metal Alchemist thunder. Okay, who directed Full Metal Alchemist? Get that guy. Who did the big songs for Full Metal Alchemist? Get that band. What are the different groups of fans like about Full Metal Alchemist? Let's go for all of those things. And so Gundam 00 is directed by Seiji Mizushima, who directed the original Full Metal Alchemist show. The theme songs for it are by Lark and Seal, who did the most popular Full Metal Alchemist theme songs. Um, and they didn't quite get the same character designer or anything like that because they have internal people for it. But they went and they got somebody who they thought could draw a similarly universal audience. So there are two statues two facets to this one is the mechanical designs and one is the character designs so the mechanical designs are by a guy named takiyuki nanase as well as credit to the original gunner designer kunio okawara uh, nanase had just gotten done doing this really underrated and watched by nobody remake of toward the terra which preceded this excellent show but nobody watched it and uh, mm -hmm. takiyuki nanase is done some anime works on things like Eureka 7, but I think they're best. he's best known for mecha designs in video games, since video games are really where all the clutch mecha designers come from nowadays. So some of his works have been things like Armored Core 2, Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, especially like uh, if you remember the Blade Wolf character, that was his, Xenoblade Chronicles X, stuff like that. So that's the person they got to spearhead this new look of these new robots. And the character designs, the pretty interesting pick they got, a lady named, uh, well, this is her pen name, but uh, Yoon Koga, who is best known for a manga called Loveless, which became an anime, as well as another thing called Earthian, 
which you can buy from like the adult uh, lineup of the now defunct Tokyo Pop Blue. But back in the so day, she knows how to draw pretty boys. Correct. Like that's back that is in the her day, speciality. she got her start as a, a BL Dojinchi author for the popular stuff of the time, like your Saint Seiya's and Captain Subasas and stuff like that. That is, was big among that crowd back in like the eighties. And so th- they got her to do the character designs. Uh, so they figured, okay, we will get these people to watch our show as well. And it worked. Gundam 00 was very successful. So let's talk about it finally after 20 minutes. If I had to summarize what Gundam 00 was, I'd say it's the post 9-11 Gundam. I think yeah. it is explicitly written and structured around the geopolitical landscape that we've lived in for the past 15 or so years, only with the traditional tropes and you know trappings of Gundam applied to it. The right. As fl- far as I know, it's the only Gundam that takes place I- involving, you know, the same many of the same real countries or regions that exist. Uh, yeah. And it, it's also in AD, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. It doesn't yeah. use any sci-fi calendar type. It is the regular AD calendar like we use in the real world because it's supposed to be set in basically our future that mm-hmm. is in some ways foreseeable somehow. And you know, that that was a big part of why people were drawn to Full Metal Alchemist is that it was allegorical for the early 1900s. So they said, well, we're Gundam. We're set in the future. Let's tell a story about what's going on effectively right now, which, again, was 10 years ago as we're recording this. So the premise is it's basically the early part of the 24th century. So about 300 years from now. Uh We've reached peak oil, which is to say the world's supply of oil and fossil fuels is no longer sustainable. It can't be the primary energy source for the planet anymore. But uh, they have figured out how to harness solar energy and convert it to electricity. Uh, photovoltaic, I guess, would be the term for it. But it's extremely expensive to do this. You have to set up solar energy collectors that are gigantic, you can only really set up such large solar energy collectors in outer space and then through science transfer the energy to the surface. That's the sci-fi part of it. Building and maintaining collectors that are that big, uh, along with uh, you know harnessing the energy, it requires construction of big orbital elevators, of which there are only three in the entire world. One's right. in North America, one's in Europe, and one's in Asia. And that basically results in at the start of Gundam 00, at least, the existence of three global superpowers. One is called the Union of Solar Energy and Free Nations, or just the Union. That's North America, Canada, stuff like that. The Advanced European Union, which they just call the AEU, because it would be confusing, because the name the Union is already taken. And it also is sort of a throwback to you old school uh, Gundam fans, because there was an organization called the AUG, totally different. Um, But that's basically, as you can guess, Europe. And then finally, there's the Human Reform League, which is basically East Asia, China, Russia, India, uh, Japan, those nations. So Mm -hmm. notice there's a couple people we left off. Yeah. And of course, because the mechanics required to harness all this solar energy and build these elevators and everything is so expensive uh, and requires so much resources the much of what we would refer to as the third world is kind of shit out of luck. Yeah. So (laughs) Middle East, Africa, South America, unless you 
are allied with one of those big three energy blocks, you're the third world, you are fucked. Uh, particularly the Middle East, because they used to wield big influence in energy. Because of oil. Yeah, because yeah. they had the oil, and now th- there isn't enough oil. And so thanks to the energy crisis being technically solved, though like so many things, it's artificially restricted, and so access is what's limited, humanity in this setting is not taking steps to colonize space, but only a privileged few are able to do so. It turns out these elevators are highly vulnerable to attack, and so all these major blocks devote most of their defense resources towards protecting the elevator. Through treaties, the United Nations edicts and stuff like that, they make accords and agreements that say, okay, you have to have limitations on how much armaments anyone can possess. Well, wouldn't you know it? Uh, I got a secret to tell you guys. Uh, All the nations are violating these edicts on the sly. So basically, (laughs) 300 years from now, humanity hasn't really progressed very much from where we are today. There's really only one acceptable solution, which is pretty boys and giant colorful robots, because the heroes (laughs) of Gundam 00 are a small private military organization, or as we call them, terrorist group uh, called Celestial Being. And uh, the first episode is their sudden arrival on the global stage in um, the most excellent fashion uh, there can be. But their general philosophy is the most deliciously chuny as fuck Justice Lord Superman philosophy there has ever been. (laughs) This is something you come up with when you're like 12. Yeah, which is from now on. All you nations need to stop waging war with one another uh, because anytime any one of you decide to start some shit, we're going to show up and and beat up everybody until you decide to stop fighting. And, And that'll teach you. And right. that is their This is philosophy. also, by the way, kind of a throwback to Zeta Gundam. Correct. Or, or Char's counterattack, I guess, more specifically. With yeah, the idea of, they like, want a I'm going to do enemy. something so horrible that people will finally realize that war is terrible and stop fighting and each other. And they'll all unite each other and get a common foe, which is me, but it's cool. We can take it. Now, which, to be is, fair, is, you know, a thing that some countries actually do, decide like to do. America. Or like us, you know, much, yeah. We're just uh, going to go in and get involved and, you know, beat beat the other people, beat people up, and that'll solve everything, right? Right. But at least in this case, they do have a bit of real politic to it because the equivalent of America, the union, uh, they do not mention that, hey, look, we're interventionists in the world, but we're not just interventionists without a personal gain to be had. We're doing it right. to secure our own interests. Celestial being actually is doing it because they believe in it. And the thing is, is that they are equipped with resources that are, at least at first, leaps and bounds ahead of what anyone else on Earth has got. Because while everyone else is giant robots, which in the world of Gundam are called mobile suits, Celestial Being has super duper advanced mobile suits, which are called Gundams. So Wing and Seed, uh, their formula for success was five Gundams and pilots. And Double O has technically five, but actually it's four. In this show, the pilots of the Gundams are called Gundam Meisters to denote that they are totally cool uh, compared to the scrub plebeians with their military training or whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Meister, yo. So the main character is, uh, at first at least, 16 years old, which I guess by Gundam standards is pretty standard. Uh, kid named Setsuna FCA, which is a fake name because for whatever right, reason. They all have code names. Yeah, the various members of Celestial, celestial being, being, they all use code names, even though they are all in one ship and they all hang out and stuff when they're not on duty. But 
you know, co- code names only, guys. Uh, so Satsuna, these are some of the dumbest code names. No, I think they're. I think heard. I think they're okay in the grand scheme of Gundam there names. There are much worse Gundam names. There are a billion times worse Gundam names. And so Satsuna, <laughs> just because they're not the worst names ever conceived doesn't mean they're bad names. I, I think yes. they're okay. Uh, at least Setsuna is a name that somebody could actually have. Yeah. Uh, yes. And he's actually our first and only to date Middle Eastern Gundam hero, uh, because yes. before becoming a child soldier Gundam pilot, he was just a regular old child soldier in the Middle East wrapped up in, you know, typical Middle Eastern, never ending regional ethnic conflict stuff that plagued the region since the dawn of time, it seems, or maybe at least since the last couple centuries. Eventually, right. Setsuna- and it's certainly... And it's certainly not an unrealistic backstory. I mean, in Africa, in some sections of the Middle East, you definitely have child soldiers, um, these kinds of leaders who, you know, kidnap or otherwise brainwash and recruit uh, children. Yeah. And so he was eventually able to see through his religious brainwashing, maybe a little late, but he still realized how it was all bullshit. So he got out of it. That and some other circumstances lead him to join Celestial Being. And it turns out, hey you're quite suited to piloting a giant robot for reasons that they explain later. Uh, this is a show where everyone gets like three or four completely new robots as the series progresses. And the reason for that is to sell Upgrade that you. many more model kits. Yeah. Uh, they learn that, um, you know, Mazinger, it's like get upgrades, oh, Jets Grander or whatever. Okay, no, no, no. Whole new robot. Whole new robot. That many more model kits you can sell to people. But uh, in general, um, his Gundam is the most traditional looking and equipped one of the set in terms of its yeah. color and what have you. Um, and so, yeah, the so main I, one usually looks pretty similar to the old, to the standard 70s Gundam. style Gundam. Uh, yeah. You can look at uh, and see similarities to it. Similar color scheme, same Weaponry. kind of helmet. Yep, same yeah. stuff. Uh, so they he announces with that Gundam to the world the existence of Celestial Being. In episode one, by showing up and destroying the greatest new mobile suit in the entire AEU, as piloted by the greatest pilot in the entire <laughs> AEU and also the entire series. I'm talking about Patrick Colasur. Uh, Patrick is actually sort of a, a boss Borat joke character, as I mentioned, Mr. Yeah. Z. Uh, so for him to somehow be the best pilot in the entire AEU, that, that speaks volumes to why our heroes are just routinely wiping the floor with most of their opposition. <laughs> if, if Patrick is like their badass. Now, to be fair, uh, the other nations do have legitimate ace pilots that are yes. uh, formidable opponents for our heroes, particularly uh, the union's ace pilot, a guy named Graham Aker who is, uh, you know, a blonde-haired awesome. guy who does not have a mask. But uh, maybe Yet. he'll change his mind <laughs> over time. Because reason. So uh, that's Setsuna. Then there's Lock on Stratos, which is another code name, which I think is a cool code name because it defines exactly what he's all about. He's uh, locking on in the sky. Uh, but it is the closest to a regular-ass Gundam name. And he is basically... Uh, the older, cool, easygoing one of the bunch, maybe kind of a duo Maxwell Gundam Wing sort of kind of mm-hmm. guy. And uh, so he lost a lot, his family or most of it to terrorist attacks. And his Gundams, as you can guess from the names, uh, is, is it's kitted out for long distance sniping. He makes his impossible shots. He's the best character in the show because of that. Everyone knows it. Uh, fight me, bro. Uh, but he's not going <laughs> to 13 level. Because Golgo 13 would not need to be helped by uh, the mascot of Gundam. I'm ca- talking, of course, about the round targeting computer and uh, round ball looking thing called Haro, which um, all, all these Gundam shows tend to have a character called Haro. Uh, but that's lock on. And, um, you know, 
I think that as far as design work, uh, his robots are kind of some of my favorites. But yeah. uh, there is one more that I think is better, which I'll get to that in a bit. Because next up, you get two for the price of one. And maybe the most Chinebio-ass motherfucker in the entire yes. cast. <laughs> I'm talking about Alleluia Haptism, which I thought was a ridiculous name, but it's not actually his real name. He doesn't remember his real name. I forgot it. It's just a code name I was given. It's identity who I am. And so he's got hair covering up one of his eyes. Total cheer up emo kid, 2000s era, you know, updated version of Troa Barton from Gundam Wing. And so it does take about half the first series before we get the origin story and this shocking revelation. But it's too good. I have to I have to give it up because I think Alleluia is the Gundam 00 litmus test. What's going on with Alleluia at any given time is representative of what's going on with the series. And by that, I mean, a lot of times Alleluia is doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Uh, so um hallelujah was a child test subject of the human reform leagues clandestine and highly illegal super soldier program as a result of the super soldier treatment he is uh highly sort of uh prone to these wild personality shifts because you see as we find out like as we talked about in the older gundams like exactly weird experiments to make people into new types tend to make people go crazy yes and so he was one of these people and so he's sort of the au version of that and as it manifests for him, he has a disassociative identity. For while Alleluia haptism is calm and rational and a nice guy, at any moment he can turn into a raging psychopath. And the name of that personality is Hallelujah haptism. <laughs> See, there's Alleluia and uh, Hallelujah. And the way you know who's in control is which eye the hair part is covering because the part of the hair is on one side he's okay and then the hair part's the (laughs) other side he's all crazy and then the ultimate season finale oh shit is on is when he pulls his hair back and you see both eyes at once yes all these gundams are uh, totally the Zeta Gundam derivative style to be sort of indicative of the fact that he's got that Zeta Gundam derivative backstory because this transforms right it's like a plane and then it it Shits. transforms between robot yeah. mode to the jet plane style configuration, and that is the Zeta Gundam uh, conceit. And so finally, mm-hmm. there's mom. And by mom, <laughs> I mean Tieria Arde. And by Tieria, I mean the poster Rockin child. Rockin' the epic mom looks. Yes. Uh, 24-7. You want to talk about uh, values changing over time as to be acceptable now or unacceptable uh, now that was acceptable then. I think everyone using the Admiral Akbar, it's a trap memes of a decade ago back when that was still socially acceptable for Tieria falls into that because you see, Tieria Arde looks exactly like a woman. And this is not me being a hater. That is a legitimate plot point later on that Tieria Arde looks like a woman such that in the first episode, when you see Tiaria with the bob cut and the purple anime hair and the glasses and the pinku getup, and I must say that nearly all the characters in Gund- Gundam 00 do not have wacky anime hair, but Tieria's got anime hair, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but then the second later, he opens his mouth, and it's the deep voice Bishonen. in. Let me tell you, the anime club reactions then were priceless. <laughs> but Tieria, personality-wise, is all business, all the time. Every time yes. he starts chiming in with whatever he's on about, all I can ever think about is uh, the boat show episode of Coast to Coast where everyone is singing songs to impress Steve Allen and then Moltar cuts in and his song is always about how great it is to set fires to things and Space Ghost is like, <laughs> shut up, Moltar. We hate you. You're dumb. You're stupid. So just shut up, stupid. That's Tieria. Uh, but uh, Tieria does have one of the coolest Gundam robots because he's always piloting the 
fatty Gundam. As in his robot is really fat and stocky and round with really heavy weaponry while still having the head design that distinguishes a Gundam from any other type of Gundam. And so those are our main heroes for whom all this stuff goes down. And the story of Gundam 00 is actually refreshingly straightforward at first anyway, because you find out about Celestial Being, you find out about all those pilots, you meet a bunch of the supporting casts, which is quite a few, because it starts off with four factions at play. Like I said, you got three nations mm-hmm. and then Celestial Being. And, and then, then some civilians. Correct. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes it's unclear for a while what relevance some of those civilians may have to the story, but they become important later. And so to show you maybe that Gundam 00 is the sort of entertainment that could only come from Japan, there are two of those civilian characters that are sort of um, ordinary engineering students. Sound familiar? Uh, they get caught up in this whirlwind of chaos and warfare through no real fault of their own, uh, much like Amuro in the original series, the hero. So you got this uh, one Japanese engineering student, uh, herbivore male, Saji Crossroad. Kind of your standard anime male character, uh, main character in, you know, most modern things we get. Uh, and his girlfriend, which is, uh, Luis Halavi, who is a blonde American, not even half Japanese girlfriend, straight up exchange student, bangerang fantasy, Yugo Saji. But it is not to be because after several episodes of wacky hijinks, the heavy duty shit starts going down. Um, and they start going along trajectory sort of uh, what we've seen in your Zeta Gundams and stuff like that. And as the show goes on, we are introduced to the villains, uh, one of whom in particular is very much akin to one of my favorite characters in Zeta Gundam, uh, Yazan Gobble. Uh, I don't know if, uh, how familiar you guys are with Zeta oh, Gundam, God. but Yazan Gobble in Zeta Gundam is absolutely Ultimate completely evil. Uh, no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Ultimate yeah. <laughs> shitbag. Total piece of trash, but the reason why I say I like him, I don't mean like I, th- I think he's, he's a great guy. I think he, he's an incredibly effective character because he's incredibly capable. Anytime uh, Yazan would show up, he'd invariably end up killing somebody of some importance, and he wasn't there every episode. But when he would show up, it was like, oh, shit, because you knew this guy's a credible threat, could conceivably get the drop on anyone, was not like a charismatic, cool kind of bad guy that people like to root for or anything like that. No, he's just a, a classic bad guy character whom they haven't really replicated in Gundam shows since because Shaw, who's the antagonist of Gundam, is very likable. People like Shaw Osnabel. They think he's a cool guy. But Yazan is not a cool guy. And so in Double O, they introduce a villain uh, named Ali Alsaches, who is this terrorist who murdered Lacan's family, is the one who brainwashed Setsuna as a kid into being a child soldier, convinced him to murder his own parents. Like this kind of guy who's not the He's mastermind. He's just a sociopath. He likes, likes fighting. He likes fighting murdering people. fucking people up and he's very good at what he likes doing and he's not suave and he's not cool and he's not charismatic. He's just a super bad dude who's always getting one up on everybody because he's just more ruthless and more capable. But he does have one distinct weakness that really does bring him down as far as uh, greatness or memorability as far as villains are concerned. And and that weakness is called Sunrise Bandai because (laughs) uh, you see, when Gundam 00 was developed, the key objective was, all right, 
We need something that is like Gundam Seed and like Gundam Seed Destiny that we can keep around without that big delay in between, like how Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny came out, so that the merchandise will stay on the shelf. And so the solution that the producers and everybody came up with was a methodology which they have used for the last 10 years ever since. And that is the concept of split season production. Because in the past, a uh, traditional Gundam show or you know even the alternate universe Gundam shows would run for roughly 50 episodes, give or take. One episode a week, no extended breaks in between. That's about a year's worth of time. But starting from Gundam 00, they said up front at the beginning, let's do 25 episodes one a week then go on break while we run 25 episodes of another show and then come back and show the remaining 25 episodes. So now you have 75 weeks of one particular show being quote ongoing an extra roughly six months that you can keep putting out merchandise during that six months. You can take inventory, get feedback from the stores, get feedback from the fans, better see what sells, what characters people are into and then tailor the story accordingly. That's the problem. Because it is my opinion that this approach has never, not once, not once in 10 years, resulted in a series from Sunrise where you could say, unequivocally, hands down, relatively universal agreement, the second half of the series was better than the first. Or even the second half of the series was good, ever. They've been successful shows. They've been popular shows they're just not things that i personally would say you know what it sure picked up in that second half uh and i think uh gundam double o along with its sister show which was code geass uh lelouch of the rebellions are the sterling golden examples of this i think there were a Oof, lot of people yeah. who were huge fans of the first seasons of both of those shows and then when the second seasons came around they noticed a change something happened that made them lose interest, lose enthusiasm. I don't think it's as simple as, oh, you turned from 14 to 15 or whatever. No, I think there is a noticeable shift in the quality or, you know, presence of, you know, what you liked about the show that was there that is now different from season one to season two of these things. And right now, as we record this, uh, Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans is about to wrap up its second season. And the shift in quality between the first half of that and the second half is dramatic and noticeable. And there are very few people who are in my particular circles that I would say were even willing to continue watching that show in the second season. A couple people who stuck it out are like, oh my God, this is such a nightmare train wreck of a show. And some people are watching it because it's a nightmare train wreck of a show. Um, but I will point out in the case of Gundam 00 that the fans of it are sharply divided actually over whether season two of 00 is great or terrible. And I understand why this is. And it's because... Um, the reasons that fans have been vocally arguing as the reasons season two is bad are by and large completely irrelevant to the actual reasons why I think season two is bad. Um, in fact, this is practically all I want to talk about this entire time. Just been holding back. I want to talk about this damn season two of fucking Gundam double O. Uh, but basically from my perspective is that the problem for 10 years with this approach is that they don't actually split a story in half ever. What they do instead Ooh, yeah is tell a story from start to finish that could 
pretty much resolve itself in 25 episodes, except in episode 24, 25, or in the very last few minutes, leave a dangling thread or two unresolved while otherwise concluding everything else. Uh, for the in case of mm-hmm. Gundam 00, Celestial Being, we talked about them, their methodology. By intervening in conflicts, like how they've been doing, they want everyone in the world to then unite against one common foe, which is them. And that's exactly what they succeed in doing because season one ends with the three superpowers uniting. They form a global earth federation. The main bad guy is defeated, but surprise, he wasn't the main bad guy at all. Cause you see, there's another guy who was just kind of there in the background that time, but it reveals it was him the whole time. The true mastermind. Everything is just as K Kaku boom, four years later, time skip to be continued. And you know what? Guess what, guys? Come on. That story they told, it's really complete. That's not to be continued. That is the end. But uh, in interviews, because uh, there have been quite a few interviews and quite a few stories that have been written about this, and they mentioned that, uh, and this is the Wikipedia quote for I'll start with, but it said, the staff consisting of over 300 people spent roughly two years planning the series Gundam 00. And my response to that is, really? Two years? Is that right? Because it sure feels to me like a staff of 300 people spent two years planning 25 episodes fairly meticulously and then threw the remaining 25 episodes together within a very short amount of time. There are interviews with the director uh, that were included, translated on the Region 1 release where he talked about how, well, between Season 1 and Season 2, he got uh, a fair bit of fan feedback that the show needed to be more flashy that the show needed to be a little more uh, family-friendly, especially now that the time slot was being moved to, a, I believe, a more general family-viewing uh, time slot rather than like a late-night show. And I believe the exact same thing happened to, to Code Geass. Like, whatever time slot one ran in each time, uh, the other one also ran in. And so they said, all right, well... Uh, we will make a season two that is pretty much in their minds anyway, almost completely divorced from the events of season one, such that you could probably just watch season two as its own show. Maybe, maybe not. But it's the same feeling I get, whether it's Code Geass, whether it's Iron-Blooded Orphans, whether it's whatever show that uses the split season approach. So don't write in to say, what about Tiger and Bunny or whatever? Because that wasn't a fucking split season show that ran throughout start to finish. Uh, before I go into specifics, God damn, do I want to go into some specifics? But let me generalize like <laughs> why this is. Because whenever you have these shows that come back after six months of being off the air and they say, okay, now it's maybe in a new time slot. They say, okay, we basically have to retread a lot of the same ground that we already covered. You got to spend several episodes basically just reintroducing everybody pretty much from scratch. And during this time, not much of note really happens. I think it's a side effect also of the marketing research that gets done in that interim more than anything. But I, I noticed this happen from show after show after show. Whatever like innovative thing or whatever guts or spine they showed in ending the prior season is summarily walked back or done away with or reverted away because they must have found out in the interim that people liked how whatever character was or liked how whatever situation was before more. And so they're like, we, we, we got to get back to this. And so gun on below ends and it ends rather infamously, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, because, uh, the villain, uh, Ali Al Sanchez kills lock on Stratos dead. No ambiguity. Show me the body on camera. There it is. And he gets away clean. 
And that's like, holy shit. Like, really? You know, you're going to do this? Uh, wow. Talk about uh, a bittersweet ending. It's not like, you know, the cast of Gundam Wing died. Um, right. You know, and they can't even uh, pull a Gundam Seed Destiny on it and bring the character back to life on the grounds that, oh, well, you know, in that time between one and the other, we released uh, compilation movies in the interim. And you know what? In those edited versions, uh, you no longer saw the body. And, and that's the new canon because it's newer. No, there wasn't time to do compilation movies. There was only six months off. So what do they do? What the fuck <laughs> did they do? Yes. All it's right. Some epic level, this is like trim- soap opera yeah, sweeps. Yeah. This is some nonsense. general hospital motherfucking <laughs> shit. So what what they do is they talk about. Well, guess what, guys? Lock on Stratos has an identical twin brother who has the exact same voice actor and character design. <laughs> and they go up to this guy and they're like, "Yo, guess what?" From now on, you are the new principal Skinner. I mean, lock on Stratos. And thankfully, he happens to have the exact same personality. Never mentioned before. Piloting. Well, he was. He, he, hold on, because you'll always get the people who be like, well, actually, Jared, in one brief shot in like episode fucking nine, they show that lock on has a brother. But get the fuck out of here. How is he also an ace robot pilot and sniper no experience mind you never mind that you barely even knew that he even had a brother it's like all the i guess piloting gundams is a genetic talent like (laughs) it it just runs in the you just download it you know it's not through through veda you know he's not (laughs) he's not innovative enough i guess but uh yeah you know just just re-listen to what we just said it's like i i don't care like people talk about like, oh, season one has a different tone or season one is more grounded and then season one becomes more, you know, bombastic and more strippy and more like, you know, styling of like the Tamino Newt. No, that has nothing to do with why, you know, th- there's an issue I have with season two of Gundam Double O. It just The thing it- is, is they constantly do that even more than just over the, s- the season gap. Yeah. They because continue like multiple to do it. times in season two, it's like they something do happens, something and then they walk, and then it, back. walk it back. And then yep. it just reeks of like an absolute lack of planning to me in every way. Like when they talk about two years planning, no way, no way is there two years where they say, okay, this is what's going to happen, guys. No, this everything you see is like, oh, fuck, we got to do more of the show. Oh, hold on. And, and it happened. It keeps happening. It's like at least. In that second season of Gun Below, there must be at least five times where some contrivance occurs to either continue the story or retread what just happened, sometimes even like within the last episode. Hooray, just, we destroyed the giant laser. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's, but again, luckily, we had a second a, giant a second laser. laser uh, but luckily, there's a third giant laser. You know, like, like <laughs> it, yeah. just, it just keeps happening. It's like, oh, we're going to kill these characters off. Oh, yeah. these characters weren't dead after all. Oh, never How mind. How many times in it's season two dead, did someone actually. die? And then like the next episode, it was like, nope, not right. dead. Like, cause it's, it's, it's very clear. It reeks of just making it up as they're going. That's along. exactly and, what it feels like. And, and so, maybe they did it. I mean, I haven't read extensive interviews with the production cast, so maybe they didn't actually, but that's what it feels like right. as a viewer. It does yeah, feel it doesn't like matter that. how much he worked on it, it. If it feels like it was made up as it went along, it's bad writing. So basically, period. What season two of Gundam 00 is trying to do on the high level concept 
side of things is an alternate take of the events of Zeta Gundam in half the time. And honestly, right. you can do that. Which is not a bad concept. There's a fair amount of fat you could trim off of Zeta Gundam and, you know, pull something off. Now, mm-hmm. granted, Gundam Seed Destiny, which I was infamously like bitching about years ago, was also itself an alternate take on Zeta Gundam. So maybe, you know what, I as controversial as they may be to say this, maybe I should just acknowledge that despite being like one of the most beloved mecha anime of all time, maybe the thing that made Zeta Gundam work was the fact that it was first- Maybe now that's been repeatedly re-asked over 30 years, maybe you can't recapture that lightning in a bottle. Maybe you shouldn't look at Zeta Gundam and say, well, this happened, then this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, let's do that. Maybe you shouldn't try to do that anymore because basically this is what season two of Gundam 00 is about. All right, so now you have a United Earth Federation. They've pooled their resources together and, you know, the world is united. So what do they do? Well, they create a supplemental autonomous peacekeeping task force unit to the regular army, which is called the Alaws, which I guess when you write out what it means in the Japanese or whatever language it is, basically means an autonomous peacekeeping task force. And their job is to eliminate rogue terrorist cells and keep the world safe from terrorism. Yeah, sounds good, right? Well, surprise, surprise, Alaz is corrupt because they have no accountability for civilian casualties or collateral damage, and they violently put down, like, even the slightest hint of dissent, and such that the the various, like, relatively virtuous supporting characters from season one that were from the former Union and AU and HRL and whatever, now they're part of Alaz. Well, they grow disillusioned the more they find out about what these people are up to, Guess what? The person who's pulling the strings of the Alas behind the scenes is an awful lot like the main villain in Zeta Gundam. Guy who considers himself the next evolution of mankind. He's conducting experiments on people that makes them messed up. And yes, he's got a gigantic fucking laser because, hey, Zeta Gundam. And over the course of a few episodes, the plans to the Death Star or whatever, they get leaked. They blow it up. Civil War breaks out, you know, just like in Zeta Gundam. And the problem is, is that the Zeta Gundam Civil War had to involve a laser at the end, and they already just spent a bunch of episodes destroying a laser, and so their solution was, um, fuck, guess what? Second laser, guys, you know? And also, four months time skip. Remember that? In the middle of a fight? Four months time skip? And then, like, important supporting characters who were there from season one are killed off camera in the time skip? <laughs> that we just find this out, like, in passing mention? Are you guys still there? Did I lose yeah, everybody? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, no I'm, I'm just making sure that I wouldn't imagine this, that I'm not no, just, no, no. you know. I could not believe that they killed that character off camera and, you know and why then this just happens. like casually recapped it right. in a flashback. And, and it's got like, the flashback oh, by the way, this happened. To make you think by the way, I killed my dad. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's because it's like they're like, oh, fuck, we got to fill time. But we filled too much time in the filling time. Now they actually have to get something done. They got to do a, a, a time skip because they look at their master plan. It's like, this must happen. And they're like, oh, we don't have time to explain why this person has changed their heart. And and then, of course, they got to reveal the bad guy's secret headquarters this whole time is out in space. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guess what? In Zeta Gundam, the place out in space had a laser. Okay, we got a third laser now. Right. You know. And I feel like also there were times where it's like they they wrote a situation where it's like, oh, crap. If we actually, like, do this follow and follow this up situation on it, out, the show is well, over. <laughs> Yeah. And so, like, oh, well, the, the, like, multiple times, like, with Ali Alsasha is, like, facing off against, like, Setsuna or whatever, it's like, the one time it's like, they just didn't even show right. 
how that situation ended. Yeah, it's that like, was ridiculous. It's like, They okay. were there and facing off, and then, like, the next episode, it's like, okay, they're we're not over fighting, here and now. They're just, it's like, what? wait, what just happened? Like, what that happened? Was, that is, like, the worst padding ever, is that well, one that you're talking who knows? about. Because it's like, so you got Setsuna, you got the obligatory pacifist Gundam princess. By the way, yes, there is a pacifist Gundam princess ever since Gundam Wing. There's always that character uh, who is sometimes also an idol singer. Uh, but in this case... He's taking her back to her home country. They get there. The whole place is in flames because Ali Asachez is back. And he's there he is right in front of you. The man who made you kill your family. The man who killed your friend and Yaoi Dojinshi lover. The man whose body count is just outrageously higher than anybody else's does not deserve to live. They charge freeze frame to be continued next episode. Next episode happens. He's just back in the base chilling out. Like, wait, what What the fuck happened? What, did you let him go? Did he get away? Was there a fight? Was there a stalemate? They I, never I actually say. I don't think they ever actually said, or maybe three episodes later, there was like a flashback and it's like, hey, wait a second. We never actually maybe, explained that. I don't remember. I don't remember well, any flashback or dialogue or anything. Because it happening is the problem. It's <sighs> like, then, then, like, after this, there's an episode and this is like the next level where it's like, I could not believe <laughs> That this was allowed. The one with ribbons and Ali. Yeah, everything is like, so he's on patrol. Boom. Ali Alsaches appears while Setsuna's out on patrol alone. Oh, shit. Well, Chase is after him. Good job, Setsuna. Right move. Don't tell anyone you're doing this. Bad move, Setsuna. What the fuck is your problem? This guy is the, the bane of your everyone's existence. So he follows Ali to some location. And then Ali turns his back to him, lands, opens his cockpit. Assassin's response is not immediately shoot this motherfucker and end the show. No, what does he do? He lands and also gets out of the cockpit. And so yeah, they can have a chat. There's absolutely no, no characteristic reason to not kill him right. then. It's not like he's got because a there's not like he's not code. like he's a pacifist or anything like that. He's not like, like John he's, Wayne where it's like, right. oh, I'll never shoot a guy in the back. No, Setsuna is a hardened, like, former child soldier. This guy specifically is the one who basically made him kill his own parents. Yeah. This there guy specifically nothing, has yeah. killed, like, the friends of his... it's annoying because they could have made it work if they set it up like... Setsuna still got some lingering weird Stockholm thing for Ollie. Yeah, like, or some or whatever. reason why he... If you, they just did that or established like that he's conflicted about him. Give him some him. hesitation. Give him some, oh, if you kill me now, this but will happen. But there was never any of that. No, you know? none of that. And then it's just so they can have a talk. And then the big villain shows up, gives this big evil speech about, hey, guess what? Actually, I'm the one behind all your childhood trauma and all the evils. And I've been manipulating you since you were a kid. That's the point where Setson is like, you know what? I should do something. But then, no, you know what? He gets shot by a bullet, which, by the way, magic bullet. I, I, I'm convinced it's a magic bullet. I don't know if it's really a magic bullet. But I mean, <laughs> in, in this show, there are like uh, much like how in the original Gundam, there are these special particles that nullify, you know, radar and stuff like that. A similar thing exists in this show. But there's also like uh, advanced medical technology that will let people heal quicker from things. But there's a counter to that because it can't heal things where there's the presence of like some other bullshit unobtainium particle, like the, the red particles or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so there's some reason, but yeah, we've, we've spent too much time just saying his name, but I think like the most outrageous portion of like the no planning involved aspect of Gundam Below is the uh, alleged true mastermind, uh, Ribbons <laughs> Almark. Evil robot Amaro? Yeah. So R Ribbons Almark, the deal with this guy is, one, 
he doesn't look like he belongs in the same show with everybody else. His character design is uh, significantly different that you wouldn't think that he's in with these other characters. And the reason for that is because through gene therapy and whatever, you know, cybernetics and stuff like that, he is a next evolved level person. Like in the original Gundam, they called them new types and Gundam double O the term is innovator, which he fancies himself. And so Tiaria, as it turns out is also, you know, one of these uh, types of beings or so they think I was never completely clear on whether they were like, clones or robots or like what exactly i believe there is the mechanics of it it's a genetic sort of cloning going on after a fashion because there's Mm. a couple of different templates that they can build off of and some of this stuff is flashback with uh iolia yeah and the guy and the guy who's a reporter who looked just like ribbons who basically would have been the temp the genetic template for ribbons and so the thing is, is that when you lay out like what a supervillain master plan is, you should probably as a writer lay out what it is from start to finish and then dole it out in chunks as the show goes on such that it may be a mystery to the viewing audience, but it's not a mystery to the villain and it's not a mystery to the people writing this shit. I am not convinced that Ribbons's plan was thought out from the beginning. Because it seems to me like the actions he's taking are directly counterintuitive to his ultimate end goal, what it ends up being. Uh, so let's play a game. Gerald, what is Ribbons' master plan? Uh, what, why, does over, he, why does he do the things that he's doing? Take over the world? Take over the world. Okay, good answer. Simple answer, easy to kind understand. Of, yeah. How... Does Ribbons intend to take over the world? <laughs> Me? Yes, I, I, I would Kill. like. To, I would like to your answer to how how does he w- intend to accomplish this? Uh, well, from how, what we watched in that show, which is all of it, by the way, which is all of it. Yeah, uh, sitting around and uh, talking a lot, and. Uh, Blowing things up occasionally. Good, good know. answer. Good answer. Good, noble answer. Um, but it, the thing is, is that what he's doing is at times he's covertly assisting celestial being. At times he's pulling the strings of the people who are against celestial being because his end game apparently is that he wants to create what are called innovators which are, again, these uh, super soldier people with uh, highly advanced uh, capabilities. There's no psychic stuff in this. Gundam Double O is a show of science, so all the psychic bullshit is explained through quantum brainwaves, which uh, is another way of saying magic because reasons. So he's got access to various resources there is a super duper uh computer ai that they need to get control of there's also some special uh drives and mcguffin like items that he needs to collect because hey they have them and i need somebody who has these abilities to use that thing for me so it'll except unlock. apparently he didn't actually need them except apparently he didn't need any of that shit because he already had all of it anyway and you know 
there are explanations to say like, oh, well, it was actually me doing this back then. It's like, well, if it was actually fucking you, then why did you need this guy? And then if you need to create somebody in this mold where he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go and tamper with your genetic makeup or, you know, screw with Veda to make it seem like you're the Meister and then use this to awaken your latent abilities. It's like, all right, what made you decide to do that, Ribbons? Well, you looked at me with awe and reverence one time as I was killing a bunch of people when you were a kid. And I was like, <laughs> yes, that's the person I want. That's a little light, Ribbons, don't you think, for your, for your plan? Of course, you know, the laser seemed like, you know, that's all you would need would be the super laser uh, or three. Uh, but I, evidently not. As it turns out, Ribbons is purely looking out with humanity's best interest in mind. He wants everyone to be evolved, but he still wants to run this shit because you know what? Humanity needs to be united. Yeah. They need to be united and they need to be evolved and uh, under my leadership because when we expand out into space, aliens, bro. Now I (laughs) have no proof. I I have no proof that aliens exist, mind you, but aliens might exist. And when we find these aliens. We'd better be united. Otherwise, it's Ernest Klein's armada all Ooh. over again. Because Shut up, Daryl. I, 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 you're reading that book, so it's like uh, I had to throw that one in there. But yeah, like awful. If you need, why? Why are you reading it? Why are you doing that to yourself? No, I, I am listening to the audiobook, so there is minimal consequence and on it your is part. Hor- it is, but still, horrible. why? Because there was so enormous amounts of money is going to be spent on making that movie after <laughs> seven figure deal just for the rights of this, <laughs> not even and, the movie budget. But like right. so, so anyway, it turns out, and there was, as a result of uh, the events of Gundam 00 season two, there is certainly yet another new robot. We don't actually see the Gundam 00 until season two of oh, well, really late in season one, but they don't actually put it to use until season two, and it turns out that. Due to circumstances happening, a certain magical ability, which I'll call it, uh, is unlocked in the Gundams called, and this is the best name for a super duper robot system, the Transam system. Now, it is not a sick convertible, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, It is basically Super Saiyan level four uh, or whichever one it is that lets you turn red and as a and result, talk to of, people across planes. Well, uh, mm. as long as you have the twin drive version uh, interacting with the Transam system, then it amplifies your uh, latent innovator, you know, qualities, and now you can telepathically co- communicate with people. And so, I feel Ribbons like, is that like they came up with this name like the night before they had to hand in a script. And he was like, shit, what do we call this thing? Oh, I've got, I've got a car, a poster of a car on my wall. Shit, Transam. Transam. Go Transam. With it. Let's, let's yeah. call it the Transam system. It stands mm. for uh, transformation. No, we don't even need an explanation. Transam system. <laughs> call it a day. And so, all right, Ribbons fancies himself like the super badass uh, next evolved innovator. And so he needs this uh, this suit, and he needs someone who uh, can pilot it, and he needs that person, um, you know, in some way on his side. And if not, screw it, I'll be the pilot because I was already the pilot. And by the way, I already have a mobile suit that has a twin drive system this entire time, uh, that has that same system. But you know, whatever, I need yours. That's what's important. By the way, the reason you have that is because I gave it to you, or I, I took steps to make sure that you would get. It's like, why not just 
anyway, there's like a million reasons that this plan is, is not very good. But at the end of the day, it comes down to we have got to stop the aliens. And therefore... Which is really confusing because actually like the whole time that they were talking about like the upcoming conversations and things, I thought that they just meant that like if humanity kept expanding out into space and didn't stop fighting each other, that they would like eventually just kill each other. Correct. I didn't actually realize at first that it was aliens. And I don't actually know if it was like later when they decided to make the movie, it's like they decided, but what if we meant aliens, aliens. or what? But Because yeah. Gundam through all the years has never, never featured aliens. aliens in it at any point for all its sci-fi, you know, spacefaring stuff. It's been relatively close to earth. It's not relatively really hard sci-fi, space. at least as far, as far as anime goes. Yeah. And so, uh, but Gundam 00 season two, it was well received in its time slot. It was not like a big failure or anything like that. It's so much to the point that they said, you know what? We are going to end season two with the announcement of a movie, a theatrical film Gundam, which is the first non-compilation theatrical Gundam movie made since the last terrible Gundam movie, a Gundam F91, which was supposed to be a series that they scrapped and said let's salvage this and turn it into a film and the result is about what you'd think it would be um yep so they made it a, movie. a very pretty movie that is also not very good correct i agree wholeheartedly with that so they made a, a sequel movie to the second season called gundam double o awakening of the trailblazer by the way at no point is anything called the trailblazer in this film you have to just sort of uh, infer that something must be the trailblazer. And so what is uh, the story here? Well, another time skip. It's been two years now, so maybe it's just a stealth plan to get everyone to watch a Gundam show where all the pilots are adults. Um, but all the evils have been vanquished, and uh, a couple of years have passed, and now maybe the memories of Celestial Being have basically just become like a pop cultural sort of uh, item, except suddenly the aliens invade. And what kind of aliens are we talking about here? Are we talking about like weird uh, insects? Are we talking about like people only their blue Smurfs like the Gamelons? Uh, it, it's, They're the motherfucking T-1000. That's correct. It is the T-1000 <laughs> from Terminator 2. It's shards of sentient metal. And uh, they don't speak any language that we understand. Uh, and basically, they just bombard the Earth in a huge like swarm. And really, they would have won if they pretty much just stayed the huge swarm, I think. I don't think any of our weapons would have really been capable of stopping them in huge swarm shard configuration. And as it turns out, thanks a lot, Ribbons. You know what they do? They seek out all the people who have these innovator abilities and basically eat them. Um assimilate what have you steal all their knowledge call it what you will um and so the solution is ridiculous it's basically bill and ted's excellent adventure uh <laughs> it's, it's be excellent to each other if only yes. we can tell them this if only we had the super duper ultra mega cosmo extravaganza innovator x23 2 electric boogaloo which by the way that's you sets into now um for all the crap people give Kira Yamato and Gundam for being godlike. Um, the real appeal of this movie is to, for fans only. I think if you watched all of Gundam 00 as a show, you'd actually get 
a little more enjoy a lot more enjoyment out of this movie because for people who are into the characters I don't think it would even make sense if you hadn't it, it watched the it's show. It's incomprehensible if you have not yeah. watched this show. Because no, no explanation is given for anything. No introductions are given for anybody. And they actually add new characters as well. And there's no reason to do this because the cast is already ridiculous as it is. Uh, and then these new characters amount to nothing. Like you think like, oh, they're introducing this guy because he's going to be the villain. Nope, he's not the villain. He's just, uh, they send him out in the first wave and he gets killed. And you think, oh, they're going to get assimilated and have to fight uh, someone with his consciousness. No, that is not what happens. They just introduce a guy who's a dick and who's like considered like the super duper Saiyan or whatever. And then he's just taken out like he's nothing. Uh, <laughs> see you later, guy. It's like, I mean, would, right. it be fair, would it just be fair to say that the entire point of this movie was to was to have the characters that you recognize in very nice animation. Yes, because and that is nothing, yeah. and a show nothing. who got paired off with other people as well. Yeah, nothing hey. about this. It's completely unnecessary. This movie doesn't expand on anything, doesn't finish anything. Yeah, it doesn't like it's, resolve it's, like an open no. item or like expand out into like this new theme or anything like that. Uh, I mean, you know, again, season two ends uh, again, kind of, but clearly this movie had to exist as the genesis for Mass Effect. Yes, it is. In fact, there would be no Mass Effect 3 if Awakening of the Trailblazer didn't happen. Because as it turns out, you know, you've got options with what to do with these people. You could destroy the Reapers uh, or, you you know, could uh, synthesize with the Reapers. And that's actually what happens here is that they I decide. I don't think they would have been successful at destroying them. I don't think they could have. I think they would have gotten their ass handed to them. But I mean, I, I wasn't sure if maybe he would have maybe used uh, the uh, awakened trailblazer Apple MacBook virus to upload into their consciousness <laughs> and cause them to all uh, destroy each other. Jeff right. Goldblum fashion. That could have been an option. But uh, no, I guess they decide that uh, the way to go for humanity's evolution is to merge with the liquid metal to form like the human liquid metal synthesis such that... Although uh, I guess that was only Setsuna. Well, no, it wasn't. Maybe. Only, it was not only Setsuna because you got to see um, in that finale like certain characters either uh, looking a little different or maybe oh, okay. like a, a slightly, um, you know restored version of other characters in the background like no there was oh, okay. like okay uh, i thought it was just him yeah right. it wasn't just he synthesized with them to become that no i think it was all of humanity did that uh to some hmm. extent or at least the innovator like uh, okay. sensitive people okay i didn't get that when i watched it but i guess that's what happened because it is such a a vague, like, non-satisfying it's, ending. It's a, it's a horrible. It's a horrible movie. Like, there's no point to watching it unless unless you, you like absolutely have to see these characters. And well, I'll admit there are a couple characters. of fights. Yeah, there are a couple Animation of fights. Animation of the mecha yes. is incredibly good. Yes. It is theatrical yes. quality action, and there is right. a lot of action in right. the movie. And it is. Yeah. It is. It, none of the action makes any sense. It has no emotional grounding whatsoever. Right, because and the aliens so don't, you don't have like a reason to hate the aliens because you just found out about the aliens. All the conflict really has already been resolved such that this is just like, all right, there's a, a large malevolent force coming at us that we don't really know what to do against. And yeah, you're fighting off against it and certain people just show up to die sort of 
like as whatever, like, all right, well, I guess that person is dead now, but there's no time to mourn their death. Cause we got to keep going. It's like, if you're going to do uh, this, at least have it be, ha- have some sort of, um, you know, impact with the viewers or whatever, but it's, like, it's, it's just, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, this could have been, it could have been an entire season. Like it could have been a 25 episode series. Well, what they movie- should have done is they could have, taken out the padding from season two and replaced it with this and have those two things make up the second season of Gundam double O have it be that maybe halfway through they beat ribbons and they have this thing Mm. show up uh, on the side Mm. of Jupiter and have it maybe be that they showed up and only ribbons was aware that they'd showed up and said like, look, we got to get this shit done now because they're going to be here in this many, you know, months time and there's Mm -hmm. no time it's got to, you know, something, but no, it's years go by. And then uh, again, four years between the first and the second season. And then within the second season, at least four months suddenly pass in the span of just like a blink of an eye, really one for, episode for almost for, for basically no reason, except one tiny plot point. Yeah. Which other than to say, is, well, we is, rebuilt the elevator and it took right, four months. Like that's basically it. it. And that like was the a reason, terrible, terrible excuse. That's the reason why it's been four year time skip is like they said, well, we got to figure out like, well, uh, how long would it take to, for them to build these upgrades? And then, you know, maybe some of these, like, uh, like that was the reason why it's a four year time skip. It's not like there's, uh, you know, Legend of the Galactic Heroes sort of. I mean, at least I guess here. they didn't like pretend like, oh, it they just the next did day. this in a week. Yeah, like that's a Gundam <laughs> Wing way of doing it. Like all this stuff happens <laughs> in the span of one year. It's like yeah. this, this, this secret organization. Now these guys. Now this other arm. It's like, how many times can somebody change factions in the course of a month and raise and must marshal an entire army? It's like, okay, Gundam Wing, ease up a bit. But maybe there's a, a median ground to be had. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, that movie, like, yeah, maybe if you were really rooting (laughs) for, like, hey, uh, somebody to finally admit that somebody loves Tieria other than the goddamn robot, then yes, this is the movie for you. But (laughs) otherwise, completely pointless waste of fucking time. Yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult movie to recommend, and uh, other than from a technical achievement aspect. And like you literally the best you could do is maybe clip out a couple of the really nice looking moments, which is amounts to maybe five minutes of the movie. And you have got exactly the best part and exactly what that movie gives you. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think a little more of the movie looks nicer than that. But like as yeah. far as, um, you know, what is going on in this movie, like we've pretty much summed it up. There's not a lot that's missing. You know, this. The, the aliens are not very interesting antagonists. I can un, I give them credit for being at least an a, a alien concept, like a thing that you wouldn't immediately understand. And mm-hmm. so the resolution being that, okay, well, we need an evolved version of humanity to even be able to engage in communication with these things. But uh, I just get the feeling that if there were no innovators, the aliens never would have fucking showed up. Like the Maybe, only, yeah. The, the only reason that they arrived is because they needed the to feed on these innovator people. I mean, I guess they did find out like, oh, you know, the, the planet Gamalus is dying and we need to get our new planet or whatever. And we've been traveling. But what made them specifically warp out of Jupiter? Hey, same as Armada Jail. And then, uh, you know, go for the planet Earth. Um, you know, I, I feel like... It was it was just a, a movie that they said, you know, we're, we're raking in the money, but oh, shit, we don't have anything to resolve anymore. We don't have we, we can't even pull uh, like ribbons gets away to be continued in the movie. That would just make too many people pissed off. Um, like, I don't feel like Gundam Double O is 
the story that they envisioned it being on paper. I feel like it's three very disjointed things. And the first one is the best uh, of mm-hmm. the three, not without its own like, you know, problems. Cause again, nothing is perfect, but I mean, you know, I, I could recommend. I you really watch like that, first, that season. first season. I think it holds up quite well as far as something that is, you know, a little fast and loose with, with logic and some degree of common sense, but it does at least make a, a rational like progression of events as far as this happens. And then this happens because this happens, you can follow it from that side of things. It's only once you start getting to the end and they're like, you know what? We got to get another season out of this, that they start to get a little ridiculous. And then season two, you know, forget about the fact that there's, they go a little more towards the new type ish kind of stuff where they really start playing up like the, the quantum brain waves and oh, by the way, yeah, I, I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> that's not my problem with it. I can make yeah. jokes about how ribbons and his pimp eyes lost another one to ditech.com because he's just <laughs> continually doing that to everybody. And it's like, if you can just do this to people, why do you need like all this stuff? Why not just do this? Well, uh, reasons, you know, whatever. Um, you know, that's not my problem or criticism with the show it's not anything like oh suddenly there are naked people in space because you know what it's gundam there's going to be naked psionic people floating in space getting into arguments with each other yep that's fine i don't have any objection to the fact that saji and louise who are really just incidental in the first season become much more important in the second season as a result of you know bad things happening and then becoming on opposite sides and trying to reconcile I think Although apparently poor Sanji can just be replaced by a Haro. <laughs> yes. Like, Cause they, they, for whatever reason, they're like, you know what? We got to get Saji involved in this conflict. Okay. Well, uh, so there's going to be the O Gundam and then it's going to lock with the upgrade part with the double O, uh, you know, X riser or whatever. And it's going to become like the double O riser Gundam. Or I'm sorry. The double O Gundam talks with it to become that. And basically it looks very similar to wing zero and everyone loved wing zero. Right. Um, so, We'll have Saji pilot the jetpack part of it. And by the way, once they're merged together, Setson is the pilot. We don't need Saji anymore. And then there's a point where Saji can't fly anymore and they still get the jetpack and it's still automatically docks because there's a Haro that controls it the whole time. Anyway, we never needed Saji. (laughs) Maybe they just felt bad and wanted to give him something to do. Well, that's really the problem with season two. They didn't have things for people to do. Yeah. Like there are characters who are quite important in season one, but everything they had to say and do was resolved in season like one. Billy. Billy is a good example. Wong Lume is another one who she was like a, a covert supporter of celestial being uh, from the human reform league side of things. Um, she just had nothing to do in Gundam 00 season two and such that they sort of, do a 180 on her character just to say like, oh, guess what? I'm doing this now because of some really stupid Except reason. Except die and then magically and then not, not be die. Dead. Only to and immediately the next, die like, again. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that to me is like, uh, give me a break, man. Like, Ugh. you know, there's a lot of people like that who just get the short end of the stick. Um, and I feel like that is a problem. Like that is not something that is planned out meticulously for two years. I think 
They said, you know what? Season two, it'll happen sometime afterwards. And uh, we can just use Zeta Gundam as a time flight. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Let's go. Because the first season, you can't really map it to the original Gundam or anything like that. It's fairly, you know, its own thing. Like, yeah, it's got like, you know, some elements of other stories in it, but you can't like beat for beat plot wise map it to another show quite so easily the way you can season two. And, you know, I think just a lot of characters that I thought were fairly interesting, at least are good enough, you know, kind of got fucked in season two, not because uh, things got weird or bad things happened to him, but just because of lack of planning. And that's like, um, I know people are going to argue with me on this because I go online and uh, people defend season two of Gundam Dolo up and down. And it's certainly true that it is flashier, that the uh, fan feedback was be more flashy. Well, yeah, there's more bet you didn't see this coming sort of stuff. And a lot of it is like stingers at the end of the episode. Something shocking and unexpected occurs to be continued, tune in next week, and then they don't follow up on it for, like, a couple episodes. Or, like, whatever it is, is, like, something really anticlimactic, because really they're just coming up with, like, how do we shock people? What, what, do we, what, would, what would blow people's minds if, if this happened? Um, you know, it's, like, that's my problem with Season 2 of Gun Double O, not the fact that it's, you know, oh, no longer about like uh, contemporary geopolitics or anything like that. And that's not at all my issue. Um, but what did you guys think? Am I the only one who is like distinguishly noticing like a sharp uh, decline, let's say? No, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think. And, you know, you mentioned it, too, in some of the other similar shows, like, that you see the same thing in, like, Code Geass and some of these other shows that they do in the same manner, is that it feels very much like, okay, we've planned out this first season, and, like, the first season kind of resolves a lot of things, and so then in the second season, it's like, well, all right, now we, you know, do all this other stuff, and it's like, maybe you know, either stuff that is unnecessary or <laughs> do they end up having to walk back stuff that they did in the first season? And yeah, I mean, and like I said, you know, I, I don't know that it's true. I, I don't know how much planning went into different parts of it. I mean, maybe at a factual level, it is it is incorrect that they did not plan some of this stuff out. But definitely, like, as an audience member, it feels a lot messier and, like, you know, they're sort of, if not not planning things, then, like, second-guessing stuff afterward. And so you get that, like, well, we did this, now we gotta walk it back, then we do the same thing again. Yeah, it's and And the, it's the sad part for me, the unfortunate thing, is the fact that that Gundam Double O top to bottom was very successful. And they were like, yes, this is the way that we're going to do our shows from now on. And so for the last 10 years, this is pretty much how the sunrise, you know, mecha type stuff has been. Um, and I always get kind yeah, of, I haven't watched much of the Gundam stuff that's come out since. I mean, I, I watched a couple of the UC things like Thunderbolt. Oh, well, well, those are the, those um, are not, but- subject to what I'm talking about because they aren't right because those are OAVs or and they're also not done yeah. on this split um yeah. production method mm-hmm. where they're 
going to do like however much time to recalibrate in between right parts. it's unfortunate that i'm hearing the same things about ibo because i wanted to go back and catch up on that and now i'm like well should i bother this is one of those things like ibo like i watched all of season one as it was airing and i was like every week my report was ibo has not become terrible yet ibo has not become <laughs> terrible yet. ibo has not become terrible yet then the very last episode of the first season i'm like IBO might become terrible next season <laughs> and, and because they couldn't commit to their change. They were like, last couple episodes are like, oh, characters are getting killed. Characters mm. are revealing like what they're going to do. And then the last episode, those characters you thought were dead. And mind you, this is before the six month break. Oh, they're oh still gosh. alive again. Don't worry. They're okay. They survived. It was uh. obviously fatal to any human they just, they come out on Luckily, and he ejected like, right before the no, plane not, exploded. Not ejected. Not ejected. <laughs> plot armor. Plot armor. They, they crawl out of the wreckage and they've got like, you know, a boo-boo on their forehead. It's like, no, you're paced, <laughs> man. Get oh, the fuck no. out of here. And then like certain other <laughs> characters who reveal themselves like whatever. It's like the first half of the series has not really done very much to set you up as the villain necessarily. We just know you're going to be the villain because you have blonde hair and are handsome. Mm. Um and so then they, you know, this person dies because your counterpart in original Gundam died. And I was like thinking, you know what would be awesome if they inverted this? If they had like the person who originally died in Gundam kill the other person. That isn't what right. happened. But season two came along. And I, one thing I did think would be potentially interesting was, you know what? That character you thought died didn't die, even though that was it, it's not a walk back because in this case it was like a explicit inversion of the thing everybody was so used to having happen, but stuff still pretty much plays out like, Oh God, why are they doing this? And then there's also just a, a lot of other problems with the second season of Gundam iron blooded orphans. Um, there is in fact like, uh, you know, people getting preggers and, uh, you know, multiple wives literally kind of stuff. But even though that not in the season one, cool pimping kind of way, more like the we're kids, but we got multiple wives kind of stuff, you know, like, all right, get the fuck out of here. Gun to my blooded orphans. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that one's another one where like good luck finding people. I was watching it every week. And then within two or three episodes of season two, I was like, I'm not watching this anymore. And um, the only time I, I ever I dropped see it- out before it got like ridiculously crazy. Yeah, the only time I ever see it on my timeline is that there's, like, one artist that I follow that does, like, IBO doujinshi. And oh, so yeah. that's, like, the only reason that I ever see it see on anything my from it. But yeah, like, no, that, that first season was quite solid. And I just don't know, as best I can tell, you know, again, that's another one where there's a, a time skip in between the first and the second season such that they may as well be two different shows and you know i think they are just tainted by the fan polls say they like this character or hey look there's a lot of doujinshi pairing up uh these characters together or what have you and then they they work that into the show and i think it's for the worse for it i don't know how mm. much of this was really the original plan and i complained about this in seed destiny as well and seed destiny and even seed were not immune to this it was just happening in real time as the show was going on of like oh this this uh, this robot model kit isn't selling good enough cuz they're a bad guy make that person a hero now 
and that that kind of stuff would happen and they kind of made it work. But then it was stuff like, you know what? The fan polls say this minor character in the background is cool. Let's have that person be the new romantic lead instead of the person who is the ostensible romantic lead for the entire series. Mm. By the way, that exact same thing happens in Gundam 00. Like they set up what you'd think would be like the people who would get together and uh, that does not happen. And maybe it's for the best because the reason that he's entirely drawn to this character in the first place is because you remind me of my dead mom. Uh, (laughs) Always the best reason for our relationship, ladies. Um, uh, So so maybe that is for the best that they never quite did get together. However, the downside of this is I'm about to kill you and be done with this series once and for all. Hey, what's that on the radio? Uh, You forgot about that, didn't you? Oh no. We no, no. okay, good. Because we just I just I will never forget <laughs> the level of bullshit contrivance of you know I, I mean at least Which again mm. they could have set that up. Right. Such at that least it would work. They but set they up did for not. 90 minutes why Batman would stop trying to kill Superman if you get this out there at least there's a lot in that fucking movie which everyone despises you can at least point to look this is what an entire hour of the movie is about there is not that in Gundam right. Below. there is just here's a song I've never heard being sung by people I don't know let, 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 hold on hold on go step back a bit and people who haven't seen the show have no clue what you're talking about right well, now no there's not so. uh, I, I'm deliberately being obtuse about that but like uh, okay. there is a point where once again, I got Ali Alsaches dead to rights. It's time to kill this fucker and be done with it and move on with our lives. However, the Gundam princess, who is a beloved princess of her nation, has taken in some orphan children and is raising these kids while they're on the run from the Allahs who are out hunting down everyone and exterminating them. And while being with the kids who love the princess so much, uh, they start singing a, a song together or they write a song that it consists of things that the kids have said to her over time conversations, which we, the viewer have not been privy to because we don't really see those scenes. And then, um, because of magical telepathy and, or the radio or what have you, Setsuna at that very moment that he's about to kill Ali El Sanchez, here's the song. And the song makes him stop wanting to fight. It is like, it's not like you're a fucking Zentradi who's never experienced culture. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not yeah. like this is the Macross attack here going on, Setsuna. You are still a person. Uh, it's not like uh, this is this, this bold like new this concept. song means anything to you. It's to nothing. To you personally, it's no. not like it's something that is, uh, you know, like why would this give you that much pause to right. kill a person. I mean, I guess they're just assuming much. that because it's Marina, like that, that has that effect. But how about if she was the one singing the song and the song lyrics were about forgiveness or not killing right. someone or something yeah. like that, that I could at least, at least hook something onto. Yeah. Yeah, we have to make excuses for the show at that no, point. No, and when, you you have dark, to, when you do that. Yeah, you have you to robotech that, it. Yeah. You have to robotech yeah. fan it and, and, and <laughs> invent right. your own reason out of evidence that isn't really there. But if you no. think hard enough, you argue that it's there. No, it's not there. But it's just there so that Ali Alsaches can get away and live to come back and kill again, uh, which is exactly what happens. Um, 
So anyway, uh, this was uh, by request, even though it was for only the first season. So to that, I will say uh, you can still watch all of Gundam 00, uh, either subtitled or dubbed into English, streaming online thanks to Crunchyroll. You cannot, or Hulu if you want to see the dub. You don't want to see the dub. Um, but you cannot see the movie right now. Uh, it is not in print anymore. It was released on Blu-ray very shortly after it came out in Japan. It has not been picked up. I'm almost 100% certain that Right Stuff will eventually reissue Gundam 00, both the series and the movie, uh, at some point in the future. But that being said, I don't think you're really missing anything if you just watch that season one and call it a day. And don't really watch yeah, season really. two or the movie unless you are willing to say, you know what? I am fine with invalidating my feelings on the show because I know people say a bad sequel uh, or something like that or a bad adaptation does not invalidate the original work. I disagree. I think a bad sequel can retroactively make you think worse of the original thing. And uh, if you don't believe me, Go in 2017 and ask what people's thoughts are of The Matrix. They're going to not like The Matrix, probably, because they'll remember how bad those sequels were. And then uh, how I thought people usually still liked the first one, but just Some, hated the sequels. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, God, The Matrix. Oh, yeah, that first one was still pretty good. Yeah, like That's usually the reaction that you get, but usually their yeah. default reaction is, oh, God, not more of the Matrix. Like just the <laughs> other day, there was a, a news story about how you know they may want to, to reboot or do new installments of the Matrix, and the general response online was, oh, my fucking God, why more of the Matrix? No one's response was, oh, you know, maybe it should at least be like the first one, or oh, well, at least I still got the first one. No, I think it just... Right. And, and and a lot of ways, you know, season two of Gundam Double O, when you see like what some of these people, what became of some of them or what this thing that was originally ambiguous ultimately led to, you can kind of, sometimes you may look back at season one and be like, oh, I don't know about season one, but honestly, I still think season one is good. And yeah. um, when I look at the, uh, you know, the average rating of Gundam Double O on Crunchyroll, it's five out of five, but only seven people have voted on it because it's, again, a show from 10 years ago at this point. Anyway, this is sure to get to generate no shortage of controversy. I know for a fact uh. there is division among people who people who say that uh, season two is great or the movie was very good. In fact, Mike Toole, who said the movie was bad, got so much shit for an extended amount of time for daring to say that movie was bad at the time when it came out. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the fact that there are large amounts of people who are like, what do you mean this movie doesn't make sense if you haven't seen the show? That's bullshit. What do you mean the ending is unsatisfying? It's like, I'm pretty sure, and I will link to Mike Toole's review of it because he saw it at the premiere. He went to New York uh, Comic Con or New York Anime Fest where they premiered the Gundam 00 movie in like some corner panel room or whatever because it's the New York you know, Comic Con. They don't really care about anime. Um, but, you know, several hundred people were there, uh, totally jazzed for it, uh, totally like going wild whenever somebody would admit they love somebody or, you know, you'd see something to say like, hey, these people are together now. Like they'd be all over it. Then Mike Toole, having never seen either season one or season two, saw just the movie. And he's like, this does not work as a movie. And uh, he got some serious flack for that. So what a difference 10 years makes. Let us know what you think. 
Our website um, is www.animeworldorder.com and the email address is animeworldorder at gmail.com. Gerald, what do you got to say? I haven't really said anything about this show. Um, I've been pretty quiet about it. Whenever you're pretty quiet about it, it means that you hate it or you disagree with everything we're saying. Well, we know Gerald hates Gundam. I mean... I'm not... That is also true. <laughs> no, I, I've, never been, I've never been quiet about this. I'm not a big fan of Gundam. I think that the very best Gundam ever made was the third Gundam movie. I think everything else after that has been not as good as that. And most of the iconic moments from Gundam, a lot of them come from that movie. I thought half of the first season was good. It was stupid, but it was good. It was understandable, I should say. Like, the concept of, you know, celestial being, and whenever there's, you know, fighting, they come down and, you know, stop the fighting. And then the show added layer upon layer upon layer and character upon character upon character. And it got mind-boggling for me, especially in the second season, to just, just to keep up with the show. Um, typically how it would go is if we, we would watch an episode and I would go mentally in my head like, okay, what was this episode even about? Like, what actually happened in this episode? And then I'd read a summary to see if it actually matched up with that. And usually I'd get a couple of things right, but it was a battle for me to just keep the fuck up with just the basic plot line of this show. And I was kind of surprised show, that you had that issue in the first season, just because the second season got crazy, but... First season, the, the first season wasn't as bad, but towards the end of the first season... the first was, season is a little harder, because there's more factions to keep track of. But, and I'm not saying my problems are re representative, I'm, again, I'm not coming at this, at this as a fan of Gundam in general, but the, like, this, this show badly badly needed someone to come in and say okay we need to cut your cast by two-thirds two-thirds of these people don't need to exist and the cast the show would have been 10 times better for that and we we need to lay it back and like you're adding like all these politics upon politics upon politics and you're battling just and you say okay what did it what did what happened why does this person acting like this are they acting like this because of something that i saw or are they acting like this because of something i didn't see and uh it was uh i mean i i hated the show <laughs> so much i had a such a hard time getting through um second season was like abysmal it was absolutely abysmal trying to get through that that season um i mean a lot of the stuff in it was not only not only didn't it make sense but it was confusing and then every virtually every episode introduced a new character unnecessarily i think um but do you think it was like did you feel that there was like a lack of exposition or i think that it is what it is is it was a prime example in my opinion of bad directing because like i'm thinking about like say like something like legend of the galactic heroes which has far more characters and far more like complicated politics and such but i know that you like logh while also so, being like, confused what is about it who's what's going on in it yes i think that this is i think that the a lot of this is just it's bad it's very bad directing because it's trying to lay out a very, very, very complicated plot in a very bad way. It just sort of piles mm. on information. Legend of the Galactic Heroes is very complicated, but it gives you breathing room. And something will happen, like a battle will happen. And oftentimes the battles will happen over the course of two episodes in that show. Uh-huh, sure. And 
battles here, you only had three battles in a fucking episode. And you're supposed to keep up with, you know, exactly what happened with each battle. And each battle can introduce a new character or kill yeah, a character. Yeah, I can see that. The pacing is, uh, especially, I think it's definitely worse in the second season with the pacing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. again, I, I do not, I, I totally understand if you do not see my point of view with this, but I struggled just just getting the basics of this show down. I'm I'm not even a fan of the first season of the show. I wasn't attached to any of the characters because I was just trying so hard to keep up with the show. And the second season, I couldn't have given a shit about any of the characters because I was just trying to figure out what the characters were doing. And like, if I have to, if I'm struggling really hard to figure out what is this character doing here and what is their motivation, I don't even care about anything else at that point. I just want to get like my base, my basis there. And this show just did not throw you any bones. I, I feel like I needed some sort of map or some sort of guidebook like next to me as I watched every episode to just to just figure mm. things out. And now, that being was, said, you were very adamant that you watched the whole show. Like originally, only I had to watch the show, but then we yes. said, no, we should all watch the show. So no, even I, though you were suffering for that, you were still like... No, we got to keep watching it, even though like uh, extensive amounts of times would would pass before we'd we'd resume watching it. Uh, so, like, tell us about that like uh, motivation side of it. Like, you, you still have to no, see it I, through. No, I have to. If, if I want to talk intelligently about a show, I have to see it all the way through. Because um, if I were if I had said, "Oh, I'm only going to watch the first season," and then you guys, you two guys, had gone and watched the first and second season, I wouldn't be able to say anything because I feel like. Uh, what you're saying about the second season, Daryl, is true. That that the motivations, that the stuff that happens is stupid, that it makes no sense, but I think you're also missing that it makes no sense par partially because it's badly directed and badly written and the, pa and the information is badly, badly packaged out to the viewer. And that's uh, th that is something that maybe I'm the only one that was suffering with. It. Well, I well understand to put this that. in perspective, uh, now, don't Correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be about to put words in your mouth, but uh, don't you also think a lot of this about Full Metal Alchemist? No, I, I only watched eight episodes of Full Metal Alchemist, I, and I didn't continue watching the show because I didn't like uh, Seiji. That's another show by Seiji Mizushima, who also directed this show, and uh, I don't like his sense of humor. Um, the, it, that was a, for what was, for what a lot of people, what was a very minor thing in that show happened so much in that show, I just couldn't deal with it. I yeah, I was about seen... to say, I feel like that wasn't really that much of a big part of the show. <laughs> but also, I come from, uh, I've seen a lot of Seiji Mizushima. He's my least favorite director. I actually started with his big show, which was Generator Goal. I have that show on my shelf now. And it's one of these shows where I'm mystified how I completed the show. Because that's another show that has terrible writing, terrible directing, and enormous amounts of, of incredibly inappropriate comedy now, Gundam 00 doesn't have that. Gundam 00 is not a show where someone will just, like, knock another guy over the head, and there's there's virtually no comedy in this whole show. It's a very straightforward show. Um, but I am familiar with how Seiji Mizushima directs, um, and I I cannot deal with his directing style. And uh, but uh, and on top of that, I think that this is just maybe coupled with Gundam, that this plot line was just so horrendously, unnecessarily complicated that it just was a battle to keep up every single time, just a battle. And I, but the thing is, I have to see this through. I have to be able to talk about this show having seen it all the way through. I mean, now, I think so, that the, yeah. 
so I have a, so I'm, cause I think we were talking about how a lot of the stuff that kind of happens, maybe less in the first season than in the second season is kind of similar to things that happened in original Gundam shows and things like that. So like, did you have the same problems of like following the characters and the plot line in like UC Gundam and Zeta Gundam? Zeta Gundam was a mess for me. Um, okay. I, I yeah. hated, yeah, hated Zeta Gundam enormously for a lot of those same reasons that characters were just there and I couldn't figure out like why, what their motivation was. And, but Zeta Gundam has, has the additional problem of it being a Yoshiyuki, Tomi, Yoshiyuki Tomino show. And Yoshiyuki Tomino is one of the worst writers in existence. Um, he, the man cannot write dialogue and cannot write characters. He, he is the type of person that the, the closest you should ever let him get to a show is the very broad stroke of maybe a base concept of a show. So Zeta Gundam was much more difficult, but Zeta Gundam also looked freaking beautiful. Even today, the show looks freaking amazing. Well, I'd say Gundam Double <clears throat> O does look very nice. I mean, they spent quite a bit of money on it, uh, but it yes. is certainly aesthetic-wise much more in line with the that 2000s anime aesthetic than the, the classic 80s aesthetic of Zeta Gundam. Well, um, the, the mech designs are really nice. The music was great. Like, all Gundam music pretty much always is great. Like, I can always count on that. Um, but in terms of absorbing this show, in terms of absorbing D Gundam 00, it was, it was a fight from beginning to end. And mm -hmm. then, like, that, that movie, like, I was trying to figure out, like, how, like, what, what, the, how that movie ended and what exactly was happening in it. And again, that movie was just like a total waste to me. That was one of the, in, it was such an enormous waste of time that that movie was even made. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I totally understand if my feelings about that do not reflect what you guys went through. But I sat through all this show and if I feel I don't see it, <laughs> it's going to be an enormous time on the time wasted for me. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, no, certainly. I so. mean, what's always fascinating about Gundam is that it's so like deliberately impossible to pin uh, the writing on anybody because the credited right. writer is not uh, actually Hajime Yadate. They actually credit a writer for all of Gundam 00, and it's the same guy from beginning it's, to end. It's well, Yosuke Kuroda. Yosuke but, Kuroda, but here's the thing. is Yosuke Kuroda is a guy who owns a, an anime writing company. Right. He's so uh, a he bunch is, of people who yes. makes specific anime scripts and writes the theme yes. songs to things. Like He is a guy who writes anime and he is an otaku mm -hmm. anime writer guy and I, I he's written firmly, some things that yeah. are quite great and right. other things that are not so great and he's right. got a pretty good forte at adapting source material but even when you look at the original things that he has wrote like this is the same guy who wrote gundam build fighters which is pretty freaking brilliant gundam build, build fighters which i I would like to finish. That is a great show and but it is incredibly let me, let me it is incredibly that. clear and easy to watch. Let me qualify that statement because even Gundam Build Fighters suffers from the exact same syndrome that all the split season shows have because even though I didn't they watch call the it a, season, yeah. well that's just it. The yeah. second season is nowhere near as good as that first season of Gundam Build Fighters. If you look at my collection of Blu-rays, I only bought season that original season of Gundam Build Fighters. I did not buy the second. And technically, some might argue that's not really a split season because they did give that second season a whole other name. It was called Build Fighters Try. Mm -hmm. So I like, suggest that it's another show instead of like a continuation. And, um, you know, 
But a lot of the charm and the things that I liked about that first one are not really present there. And I don't know if the the marketing machine got to him or what. But I mean, right. um, you know, this well, is the guy yeah. who wrote one of your favorite shows ever. He wrote I Magical mean, Project think- S. Yeah, I, and, and, right. and the thing is, like, is that he's got such a weird and diverse style that I almost argue that it's not one person, that it's his company that's writing these things. Because it's not like, uh, like this guy writes so much and it's such a diverse style. You think it's style, like it's again, a Kao Saito kind of thing where he, he's got almost. like a bunch of people and signs mm. like, yeah, it's but, by me, Yosuke Kuroda. But I, I, yeah, I, know I think I, it's always difficult when you have these like large productions to kind of figure out like where to place the blame for different things. And so that's what I was kind of curious about with Seiji Mizushima is like, you know, how like in terms of like saying like that this, you know, is bad because of like Seiji Mizushima, like trying to figure mm-hmm. out like, you know, what stuff can you pin on the director versus the script? Cause I mean, and versus like the original source material, like Gundam 00 is an original thing, but like Full Model Alchemist, like you mentioned the humor, but the humor for that, like the jokes in that. It was all straight out of the are manga. from the manga. Right. And so that's I, not like Seiji Mizushima putting that thing, in. Yeah. Like that's, you know, from the source material. Right. Well, so, I still, I still blame Seiji Mizushima because as the director, he is responsible for what we see on the screen. And so when there are ridiculous choices made in the script, mm-hmm. he is the person that reads the script and says, yes, go with it. Or uh, because, and we know this, like if he comes back and says, okay, this is stupid. He gives it, the job is to give it back to the guy and say, okay, we're not going in this direction. This is where we need to go. He is responsible right. for that. Now, I do know from the interviews and supplemental but... materials that he did talk about how there was a point where he um, started to delegate things to his assistant directors to do certain episodes because he was focusing on like certain other like parts of the production. Right, and but that's still in the on case him. Of, well, in the case of a Gundam show, I don't know if the director's final word is law. Like, I think there's they've got producers and toy executives that supersede any director of the show that says, Hey, guess what? You're doing this and you're going to like it and you're going to find a way to make this happen. Even though this other stuff has happened. Guess what? I also wonder what you got to do. Yeah. I also wonder with the tight production schedules, like how much leeway they have to demand changes to the script, but they had since that introduces time delays they claim i mean them, not to but say remember, that they're they can't but i'm sure there's some limit on the amount of rewrites he can ask for but remember they claim that they had two years to work on this two years of and planning before they started working they claim or, i think so right right so again know. again i blame the director this is his problem and mm. but i, I knew, feel like I, sunrise I knew, anything is just so like hard yes, to like that's like blaming like a bad marvel movie on the director of that marvel movie i feel like those guys are just interchangeable cogs of somebody who will say yes or who will get yeah. something done and the real creative decisions are way above even the director's pay grade i think gundam is exactly that way i think that just when you look at how some of these stories came about, like I will say that, um, you know, as much as people love Shirabako, that some of the stories are inspired by things that happened on shows that Seiji Mizushima was working on. Now, I don't know if it would be Gundam specific, but, you know, it could be, you know, uh, probably something <laughs> not Sunrise, because I highly doubt that Sunrise would give the okay to say, oh, yeah, go ahead and dramatize that for comedic effect, that disaster. That <laughs> I don't think they're that good a sport. 
I mean, um, well, and, and again, I don't, I don't know if it's there's really a point to trying to lay blame. What we have on screen is what we have on screen, and sure, I know. I, by the way, I'm so glad that I watched this show with you guys because it was. I mean, if I got lost for a second, there was another set of eyes, and I could ask about it. So I en- really enjoyed watching it with you guys, and I'm glad that I did. Most of the time, um, I was just the, typing "shut up, Tiaria" in all caps or something <laughs> to that effect, but, or but pointing out some sort of absurdity. Ass. Right, but yeah. I knew that I was on a completely different page when, yeah, towards yeah. the end of the first season, a major character died. And you two, for you two, this was a big moment. For me, I couldn't have given a shit about this character. I thought you were just trying to be an edgelord. No, because, (laughs) no, there is, I don't, I I do not feel that there is, that there is any depth to these characters. That we, I just don't feel like there's any reason to really like any of them. We're given a very, very sort of surface level idea of who they are. We know that some of them are war orphans, and we only just see these brief flashbacks to them as war orphans, and I don't think we see them develop or change that much. And I think a lot again, of shows are that way, though. I mean, you could say the same for yes, any yes, number it, of, a, a lot shows of shows for are teenagers. That way. A lot of shows are that way, and a lot of shows, characters die, and I don't care. But you guys seem to care about this, and I didn't. And so I knew I was just on a kind of... I felt, you know, clearly I'm I'm on a different page with the show than you guys are. We'll need to see what happens once they start killing off the cast of Show by Rock, and then <laughs> we'll be able to revisit this topic. Right, but yeah, I mean, as as we're talking about Gundam Double O, like this is this is kind of where I sit. Is right, from right. beginning to end, I didn't care. There's not a single character in this that I could that I could give a shit about. Not a yeah. single character that I feel like uh, if they died, I would just say, well they're gone like they didn't really do anything for me as a character now you're like 36 Um, years old right thereabouts 35 35 okay um would you think that the fact that there's so much feedback online and even correspondence sent to us of people who are so strongly supportive of gundam double o do you think that might be uh, a factor of when they saw it like how cool would this show be if you saw it when you were 14 or if you were in college still like you were 20 if this were the very be... if this were the first anime i'd ever seen it would probably blow my mind if this were the first thing first mecha show i'd ever seen in my life it would probably be the coolest thing ever because it's not like anything you know that i'm watching at that time um but it's yeah i mean i think once you've watched a lot of stuff and you have like different expectations and you've seen a lot of other things it's uh i think it's easy to be a lot harsher and more critical of stuff i mean and it's harder to be impressed by things right and i mean it doesn't feel like like i said i just don't feel like i ever knew any of these characters didn't i just didn't care about any of them enough we got very little I feel like we got very little downtime with these characters to get to know yeah. them. Like ver- virtually the entire time we knew them, beginning to end, every single episode, it was them sitting around discussing strategy, getting in a mech to blow something up, or like pointing a gun at someone, or like trying to escape something. There was what, almost no time. What about no when time. he's hiding out undercover in the most conspicuous way possible because... Uh, when he was dressed as a woman, you're talking about... Uh, no, I'm talking about... Yeah, well, that, that too, that was also real good. But I'm talking about like... In the first season where it's like, Awkward oh, teenager sets it up. by the way, I have an apartment in Tokyo. By the way, I'm going to dive into the water and my robot is underneath the water and nobody will notice this robot <laughs> ever. 
Um, <laughs> you know, that was downtime when he's bonding with his wacky next door neighbor, Saji, and his, you know, reporter older sister. And uh, then, you know, they get murdered. A time, a, a, a drop in the ocean, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And a drop in this giant ocean of just never knowing who these people are, never knowing who these characters are, coming within arm's distance of them the entire 52 episodes. Yeah. I, and, I feel like I have some of that complaint with a lot of Gundam in general. Yes. Like, I feel v- like... Very much so. Um... And this is something I complain about sometimes in other things, too, like some of the Marvel movies and stuff, is that, like, there's sort of this, like, expectation of, like, okay, what we want is to sell model kits and what people are here for is for, like, the robot fights and the politics. So it's, like, the time goes to that. And I I think that's a fair criticism. Like, I would also prefer maybe a little bit more, like, interpersonal interaction. Um and but i i guess at this point i've sort of gotten so used to that that it's just like this is not what they think people want or and maybe they're right maybe i'm weird for wanting that like maybe i'm weird for like i would be perfectly fine with an avengers movie where they do nothing but hang out or like go on a road trip movie or something or a road trip or something but maybe i'm strange for saying like oh i I would watch that but isn't that what magic mike 2 is so it's (laughs) Yes, that's that's true. But uh, I mean, again, like it, it just feels like uh, the, it. It if if the show weren't trying to make me feel like the death of this character is important, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't feel like I am. Su- there's something missing. Like I'm supposed to care about this character. But what if they were all hot girls, Gerald? And I wouldn't care about them either. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what about the magical girl raising project? I've not seen any of that. Um, oh. but, so it's that's why I feel like this show just never worked for me from beginning to end. Uh, I feel like it started it, it started with a stupid idea, a stupid like twelve year old's idea of what politics is about. But if you're twelve and, years old or thereabouts of that age, that is the target audience for the show, right? Right. But how can a twelve like I don't know if this is like a Dragon Ball Z effect where where because this show is so so complicated and it's complicated not at not at an character interaction level like Dragon Ball Z is because Dragon Ball Z is like crazy complicated, but it's all like, well, Goku went to this and fought this person and this person morphed into this person and fought this person and fought Goku back and whatever like that's, but this is a complicated show from a political perspective. Like what is happening? uh, You're cutting a lot back to like governments and, and, and politicians and bureaucrats talking to each other. And this is, a good portion of what drives the plot. And I can't imagine how a 12-year-old would absorb this and make sense of this plot. Well, I will note that that Code Geass, the sister show, was also massively popular and also employed a lot of that same stuff. And by the way, Code Geass is coming back. So we can all watch Code Geass, the new one together, where it turns out that Lelouch was alive all along under the wagon. Oh, and believe me, I am always the person, the one person in, in a room of, oh of, you know, a hundred people that like a movie. I'll be the one person that doesn't. All Not the wagon conspiracy can... theorists now are going to be insufferable. <laughs> I was right all along. That's right. They're they're going to be vindicated to know that you know, <laughs> their 10-year fan theory is now yes. real. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, regardless of whether this is 
popular or not, I just have to go on, you know, my experience with it. I, I understand people like the show. People, yeah, yeah. people like the people love that second season for some reason. And so it's but I couldn't I couldn't recommend any of this show to you. not not the first season, not the certainly not the second season, second season. You, you need a, a goddamn Bible sitting next to you of the show to figure out what is happening in the show. And then and then the movie means absolutely nothing. The movie is a giant waste of time. You don't care about anyone or anything. Nothing makes sense what happens. It's very pretty for a couple of moments, and that's it. Um, that's unfortunately kind of how I feel about the show. I'm super glad I watched it with you guys, because otherwise I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have, like, I wouldn't even have, like, the basis understanding. Why, why um, do you suppose it was so popular? Because it was on at the time? Well, there's lots of things that are on at the time that don't get watched, especially now. There's so many anime coming out, like even because in it 2006. Was the, because, it was, because it was the Gundam that was on at the time, and well, Gundam gets the time slot? Well, G-Reco was a huge bomb. But that was written by Yoshiyuki Tomino. Do and people know that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe G-Reco was even I mean, beyond Gundam Age was a huge bomb, too, right? And you I don't know, know. Tomino didn't. Well, Gu nobody liked Gundam Age. Like, no, you know, nobody liked Gundam Age. Nobody liked G Reco either. Um, and yeah, and, and, and so, Tomino didn't write Gundam Age. It's, no, he didn't. That was the he big did. Gundam show of the time. Hugely right, and marketed. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of Gundam Age. I can't talk on any of that. So I don't know if it's the characters or whatever. Clearly, so people, people just, liked. Clearly, people liked. I don't know the the characters, or I don't know what they saw in the characters. I didn't see anything in them. Or maybe they liked the mecha and the fighting, the mecha fighting in it. I the mecha fighting was fine when it. I mean, it's it's fine when it's happening. I it's it's hard to attach things when I'm trying to figure out what the basis for the action happening on screen is about. And so, but again, like that stuff, I don't know. I I have I feel like this is some sort of initial D situation where I'm trying to figure out like what everyone else is seeing in it. I mean, yeah, this was one where like it started off as like the otaku thing and then it moved to the family like general viewing time slot and then still did very well. So it's like a, it must have expanded like, you know, who was watching the show and who actually responded to it for them to make money and then say, you know what, we have enough money to make a movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say that, you know, I don't like, uh, think that some of these people are just crazy to like it but i also understand <laughs> that i'm literally three times the viewing age of the intended audience maybe that's it um right i don't i don't know and when i Danny when thing. i watch these like when i try to pull up one of these plot lines from an episode like this plot line is so obtuse sometimes like i'll read it and i'll be like that's what i fucking watched like, I remember a bunch of bureaucrats talking to each other about, like, some trade deal that was going on, and then some guy showed up with a mech and blew another guy up. Like, that's... I, I wonder, like... I think I what clearly... you need to do is is watch the show dubbed in English. Uh, I, yeah. Didn't... didn't Did this... Yeah. I watched part of a Gundam show that was dubbed in English on Cartoon Network for about half an episode, and it was the worst dub I'd ever heard in modern times. I don't remember if it was this one. It was definitely an Ocean Group, but all of these G Gundam shows were dubbed by Ocean Group. So I don't remember. This was, you know, 10, 15, 12 years ago, whatever. It was... Yeah, the only the only one I watched dubbed was back when Gundam Wing was on Toonami. And, yeah, this and, was, as a matter of uh, fact, like a lot of the cast of Gundam Wing are in the cast of Gundam 00. 
It might be Gundam Seed. I don't know which one aired on Cartoon Network. Uh, yeah. I think Seed did. Seed, Seed aired on Cartoon Network here, but Canada only got Seed Destiny on their Cartoon Network or YTV okay, or whatever. Okay, so, that's, so then it's, then the it's a non-issue. That's what is, I saw. Yeah, it's awful. It could have been. It was it. horrible. It was a horrible, horrible dub. So, And I assume that, that this dub is, is no better, that it is of the same similar ocean group, really poor writing, poor acting quality. And Which is weird because so, when you see those same actors show up in video games, suddenly they're paid and you know they can actually you know do good acting. They're given good director, <laughs> I think. Their direction, I think. They're they're told like, okay, you don't have to fit the the flap and and the pacing and the sil the exact syllable of the word and such. So I think things just sound better. But yeah, I I don't mean to you know rain on everyone's parade about the no, show. No, this is... Feel... The point is, is that we're all supposed to say what we think because we're not bought off by the man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even though we no, were I think bought off to review this thing and we'll never it's get It's just money interesting for me sometimes to try to figure out, like, how other people perceive things. And mm-hmm. so, like, that's why, like I, like, I was asking about in terms of, like... Because for me, it's interesting to, like, think about, like, why, you know plots or political situations or whatever of similar complexity like why in this show is it confusing and not confusing this other show right like that's what i'm kind of just trying to figure out like what is it about the presentation of the information like is it the level of um exposition is it like the pacing is it a combination of factors and that's really i mean because i'm just kind of curious about it like from a functional perspective right and i totally understand put together i totally understand and by the way logh is fucking complicated as well and i'm not saying i was understanding that storyline perfectly (laughs) perfectly either right 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 but it was doled out a bit better now logh is is dry as shit like it is the driest fucking show it could have it needed better direction in that respect but it's not a show like this show one episode of this show feels like we're watching five episodes of logh like yeah logh has a much slower pace yes it's a much slower much longer show Yes. Yeah, it's that's a, a, true. They had like a hundred plus episodes, <laughs> and I think that that slower pace probably helps someone absorb what's happening. Yeah, and it figures out what's going on because uh, these battles can be very complicated. What's going on and the reasons for the battles that happens, mm-hmm. or what's going on, helps as well. And also, I genuinely liked a lot of the characters in Logh. There was a lot of right. time to see them not planning for a battle and fighting a battle that's mm-hmm. the only two times yeah. we ever saw any of the characters in gundam double o was planning for a battle and fighting in a battle right and, and sometimes what about it's when just they individual at the mall and then <laughs> hanging out at the beach that there was were whole episodes for that <laughs> but th- there was like another there was basically no reason for me to like anyone in gundam double o in logh which is and i understand of similar complexity at very least like there's more to those characters i feel mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I, to a certain extent, there's also just sometimes individual differences. Like, you know, some people maybe are better with certain things than others. Like, I guess I'm kind of used to like watching shows maybe with a lot of characters and a lot of like, uh, conversations and a lot of like different like relationship stuff. So for me, 
maybe it's kind of easy to keep track of some of that stuff. Whereas I found frequently, like, with LOGH, like, I'm not very knowledgeable about or very, like, super into military tactics. So a lot of the battles in LOGH, like, completely lose me in terms of, like, tactically what's happening. Right. And sometimes I have to go slowly with LOGH, too. I totally understand. This is definitely not a situation of, oh, LOGH is easy to follow and Gundam 00 is difficult. No. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely (laughs) battling a little bit with both. But Gundam 00, like, I was just every step of the way. It was just... Right. It's more I just didn't remember you being so frustrated with LOGH. Like... Not that you weren't ever, like, confused, or but I just didn't remember that level of frustration. Right. And, so. yeah, this this show, I was, every episode was just like, what the fuck just did I just see? <laughs> and who died, and why should I give a fuck about why they died? Yeah. And, um... Clearly, and, we just needed more of Tyria in a dress. Right. I think clearly and, uh, what we this, need if the is... Show, if the show had had, like, ten characters... That it just sort of rotated in and out from beginning to end. I think that yeah. would have been perfectly fine. But the the end of this, I think there were like forty characters at some. I know that there was at least one character introduced almost every single episode, and of of varying importance. Uh, really? Sometimes I, I don't think that's true, but I'm I I think that was. It, that, I think that was. Yeah, average, I don't know. That doesn't sound right. I feel that's, like that's, at some point they've got a cast and they more or less stick with it. I but I, I would disagree. But I'm again, also a but, super uh, genius, so but, that might I think be why. I, would you Would you agree that the cast is too large? I mean, I didn't think the cast was significantly larger than other Gundam shows. But you just said also in your review that you 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 did I do you think did, you did that suggest that the that the cast was larger than it needed to be. What I do think that. is that the cast for the size they have aren't properly utilized. That I think they spend time on things that aren't really that important happening that could be better used to showing something or developing something further that they don't. And I think that's just because of the planning situation as far as why that is. But as far as, oh, there are too many people for me to keep track of, it isn't really that. It's more like, okay, you're doing this now, but, you know, just the other time we saw you, you weren't doing that. And I can't easily draw the line between why did you go from here to here because the explanation wasn't given and then sometimes an explanation is given but it's just in very brief passing in verbal dialogue only that isn't like reinforced to commiserate with the level of importance that i feel that that is it's more just like oh they explained it they gave a reason but they didn't really harp on that reason very much and Mm. if you weren't reading that line with intent you may have glossed over it and i think that this this comes to sort of the core of why i don't like gundam in general because i feel like you have to speak a different language to enjoy gundam i feel like you have to speak gundamese in order to understand <laughs> gundam well, and you know i think what you got to do only, i think is rewatch only... all of gundam the tv show <laughs> original then all of zeta gundam I think that the only and the, then the, all of Double Zeta Gundam. See, I think that some of the little bit of Gundam that was actually very, like, mostly well done were the three movies. 
because the three movies focused on very on just a small core of characters, and as the sh- as those movies went on, it became far more about Amaro and Char. And at the very the third movie was basically, you know, Amaro and Char. They even knocked helmets, and I don't mean that. Uh, and Giren and Kishiria <laughs> yes. and Makuve and and those other people. I mean, but the core of it, I feel, was was about Amaro and Char, and I think that the focus of the movies was far better. But I mean, again, like a lot of Gundam shows, just have these enormous casts, these in, these cr- incredibly complex plots. It's kind of like how some people can just understand some of the dialogue in in Star Trek without any problem, and then some people the dialogue just it glosses over them, like mm-hmm. like nothing. I think that, you know, there's people who understand that. And I think there are just people who understand Gundam. And right. I'm just not one of those people. I don't... I think it's also a toss-up because in terms of, like, the size of the cast, like, especially when you're dealing with these kinds of, like, different factions of, like, military and political actors, it, there's, like, this awkward trade-off with the size of the cast where it's, like... If you wanted to really represent, like, that scale of activity, then there's going to be a lot of people involved. And so maybe, like, the core central cast is small. Like, okay, there's, you know, the four Gundam Meisters and then, like, you know, these couple of other main people. Like, there's Graham and Saji and Louise. And then there's a lot of, like, secondary and tertiary characters that, like... Yeah, they, they're in multiple episodes, but you don't necessarily have to know, like, everything about them, like some of the other, you know, crew on the Ptolemy or whatever. Um, and, and that can get confusing, but if you, like, try to winnow it down to, like, a really small focused cast, then sometimes you have, like, the opposite, you can have the opposite complaint of, like, well, you know, why are there so few people or like, then you have one person has to like do multiple things. It's kind of like, like the, um, the weird, like problem with like, say CSI where, where one they, person is, they do, things. do everything. Right. It's like, you know, a very small number of people who just do everything and like do stuff that in reality, like these crime scene investigators would never be involved in doing. But otherwise, there's, like, too many people, and the characters don't have enough to do, and it's also, like, really long and drawn out. So you just simplify it, and so that makes it easier to follow, and it makes it more entertaining as a show, but then you're still going to get people that complain about, like, oh, it's so unrealistic, or... So it's always, like, a, a trade-off, I think. Right. Yeah, I, and I again, I think it's all, again... Is- like I mean, tying back is, to Gundam Wing, yeah. I think that was really where they saw like how massively successful it was among the audience that it was successful with and mm-hmm. said, okay, well, uh, Gundam Wing was a show where they, they stood around and talked about a lot of stuff and there's a whole lot more characters in Gundam Wing than you remember there being. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of events that happen at a very rapid rate of speed uh, as far as like number of momentous occasions per episode and number of times somebody will change factions. And they said, you know what? That is the most beloved thing that was like the foundational bedrock of a whole generation of anime fans. And so this is what we're going to hem to. We're going to say, this is what worked. And they said, well, we'll, we'll keep doing this. And yeah, if, Mm -hmm. uh, if you'd ever liked Gundam wing, which you you never did, uh, then obviously this is all anathema to you. Now for me, like um, I can see what they're doing, but I just don't feel like they're 
uh, realizing it properly. And that's what makes it all the more frustrating for me when they go to this split season approach that uh, they're doing that and reaching what I consider to be a deficiency that is nonetheless met with a great deal of acclaim and commercial success. And so they are like, well, this is actually correct uh, as the numbers bear out. And so they continue doing it. Yeah. And I think Gundawing was kind of confusing too, but I think I remembered it as not being quite as confusing maybe because I, I would watch like the episodes more than once. Right. And also and so just- it's like at the first viewing, it's like, what is happening? But mm. then like when you go back and you watch it again, it's like, oh, okay. Like it's not as complicated as it seems like this is who these people are and this is what's happening. And right. Then- and I think there's also an aesthetic consideration because I know a lot of times yeah. like the joke I'm going back like 15 years ago now was go up to a Gundam Wing fan and ask them what is Gundam Wing about? And then, (laughs) um, you know, you oftentimes get like a a very roundabout answer, if an answer at all. And maybe it's because the thing that you're we're all sort of discounting because we've seen so much anime is just like the inherent cool factor of the show. Like, uh, you know, these model kits are pretty boss looking, you know, Mm -hmm. these characters, if uh, you're into that sort of thing, there's probably somebody for everybody based on just the diversity of looks of characters in this thing. If you're an Oyaji hunter, we got you covered. If you like them young, we got you covered. If you want a redhead, here you go. You like the big titty drunk, here you go, you know, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, And that, I guess, is, uh, again, tying back to this you know, otaku database, you know, cast the net wide. And, uh, and I guess in this case, they, they nailed it, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I just I, wish there's absolutely, that- Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt that people like the show. Like I'm definitely on the outskirts. There's people listening to this who are like, who the fuck are you to talk about the show like this? Like, I totally understand that, that, but like, and yeah, this show had a huge, very diverse cast. Like this show was very popular in, I know, you know, Clarissa, you, no, it was popular in like the Fujoshi circles, and it was very popular with like the guys too. There was a whole lot of doujins that came out with for mm-hmm. this. I mean, that's how I f- found out about a lot of these characters was they would just show up on doujin covers all the time, and then I see these characters, and I'm like, oh, I see. You have no, there's not, you have like a barest of personalities, just to kind of you, you have more like you you more like have a job than a personality than to, to move forward with this as a character. Yeah, and there's like. I, I like the, the main male characters I would have a hard time telling apart telling them apart like describing them from a personality perspective differentiating them like I would well, have see, to describe them physically Setsuna is like Hiro Yui he's all business <laughs> he's all about the mission man and right. you know Aleluya is like you know I messing with you at this point but um obviously i think uh we've gone about two and a half hours thereabouts and so clearly a lesson to everyone that they will never donate to us to get a (laughs) review of the anime of their choosing uh, ever again unless the thing that they particularly get a perverse enjoyment out of is seeing uh their idols torn down their um you know sacred cows tipped over virtually everyone that that's happened with except bento um as we've just ripped it apart. I didn't just rip it apart. I, I'm the only one who saw it. No, I said besides Bento. Oh, this is the only other time, though. No, we did Initial D. Oh, that's right. We did the, do you Initial, initial D. D, and D. Did I you just erased... try to strip that from your memory? Yes, I did just strip <laughs> oh, it from memory. <laughs> I brought it back. What? But, Gerald, <laughs> we do have to append that claim because... 
the person who funded Initial D is the same person who made us do this one. Oh, <laughs> and but didn't they hate our Initial D so much that they stopped like listening to the show and following us or on Twitter? But I'm told that it was for unrelated reasons. It was oh. because they unfollowed everybody or something like that. Yeah. Because but a lot I of nerds, to believe. What, a lot of nerds, what they want is they want their opinions echoed back to them, and so that, they that want is to know the secret that, of Patreon. What, that what's, is pretty much what most people want. What nails <laughs> you in? Right. And and so that is and so the assumption is that he liked both Initial D and Gundam Double O and wanted us to go on about how great these both these shows were. Um so sorry to disappoint. <laughs> I don't think we disappointed, but uh if you Look, would like to it's okay, to Gerald. Risk- Everybody knows that you hate everything, and so it's <laughs> it's expected. <laughs> I am hard to please. If I had time, I would read the current list of uh, potential candidates the next time that we hit the donation goal. But again, you can still donate and uh, potentially uh, append to this list of potential things that we would choose from. But they are things like uh, Hidamari sketch and the like. Uh, I know um, somebody was saying like uh, they wanted to get uh, a love live in there. But, um, you know, I don't think we would necessarily tear apart all of these potential suggestions no but, i actually enjoy what i saw no no you can't life, so, give it yeah. a, we, have, we have to edit that out so that nobody can know <laughs> what the response will be <laughs> okay. to these shows yeah i haven't the seen any of hitamari sketch but i've heard good things yeah so um once again we should, we should watch you, another show together we should we need to watch a show that takes like a group of people to understand and so i think you know gundam double it's a little too soon for g I think it's a little too soon for G-Reco, but I know <laughs> G-Reco well, is the correct answer. I was G-Reco, thinking maybe we should do something shorter first. Okay, I have then... the answer. I have the answer. And the answer is one that we offhandedly mentioned to Mike Tool the last time that he was on this podcast so many years ago. We are going to watch six episodes. Six episodes. Just six episodes, man. Easy. Of the Easy Wings of Reen. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> no. Which I own all of. Fucking Tomino. Uh, why? Because, uh, you know, it is, it, it, it's six episodes of Garzy's Wing instead of three. Oh, God. You know, have, with, uh, with maybe perhaps uh, a less uh, amped up dub. Have but, you ever imagined that a time warp could happen inside of an episode of an anime? A time warp could happen where a time dilation will happen. Or if we're going to do Gundam. Yes. I still need to watch Gundam Origins, so... Gundam the Origins is actually super good. And Gundam Thunderbolt Season 2 is about to start next week. Oh, they're doing another season? Next week is the first episode of the... Wait, isn't everyone dead? Uh, No, everyone is not dead. Okay. Because that was only like the first... like however many chapters of the manga and the manga is still ongoing. Oh, okay. Uh, they are adding so. uh, some new characters as well. Uh, there's like, uh, you know, you'll see it, I guess in a week. Um, there was so much like bloodshed and horrible maiming in Thunderbolt that I, that, that <laughs> I is forgot also who true. lived and who died. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So we will uh, put this to an end uh, in just a moment, but even though I said it about 45 minutes ago, if not an hour ago, uh, if you would like to donate, 
I'm sorry, to, I, had to, I had to inject my opinion at the very end. No, so no, that's... it was, I wish you had done it throughout, actually. I, I wish you hadn't held off, because uh, this is everybody's show, uh, and I wasn't, like, trying to steamroll over anyone. I just wasn't, I didn't realize you were waiting for a, a spot, and I wasn't giving you one. Uh, so I apologize for that. But uh, if you would like to uh, donate to uh, hit this goal, uh, the website URL for that donation is twitch.tv slash s-u-r-a-t-d uh that's my twitch where it's got like a little counter uh basically we're 40 dollars away from the next one <laughs> so um that may happen but i did have a call for potential donations uh, a couple months ago and got zero donations for it so, I, so think reason, so, so I think the reason just so i think the reason was because they were concerned that we weren't delivering on so our just, promises but we've delivered on this one and it may take a little while because again the condition is no time frame guarantee, but if you keep it to a show that's under 26 episodes long, I feel confident that it will not take over a year for us to get back to you on it. Right. And we, we generally, especially if it's under 26, we're going to get through it much more quickly. Um, it, it, this one was an unusual situation, you said, because the person donated like three times the money and gave us two enormous projects to right. watch because like so. in, initial d and gundam double o and i was like okay yes. well this will be some time but right. um so if it, you want it to is direct, finished if Christ you want to direct, stated and looked up to the sky said it is finished and given up the ghost if you want to direct and, with the direction of this show for like a year you can do that <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that in mind i am daryl surratt i am gerald rathkolb I'm Clarissa. And we are signing off from the Anime World Order podcast. Uh, we will see you uh, hopefully not in another month, but I uh, I have writing assignments. I got finished with a bunch for Otaku USA. Hopefully by the time this one comes out, you'll see I have a piece up on Crunchyroll uh, news, maybe uh, maybe a feature. And soon I should have been writing this for weeks, but I haven't started yet. And I'm going to summarily rush it out like the writers of Gundam 00 did uh, feature on Anime News Network work as well so uh that in addition to all our otaku usa stuff new issue is out and uh next uh, anime usa special will be out soon please uh subscribe buy all that stuff read all those sites and uh, check out our stuff and let us know what you think our links to our social media are on the website at animeworldorder.com. And also, if you look at the properties of this very MP3 that you're listening to, you will see all that information if you like uh, scroll over and read some of the uh, extra tags that iTunes, etc. will show for you. So with that in mind, I am going to hit stop right about now. Anime, anime.